Okay, so welcome to Critical Apocalypse episode 153. As always, let's have a little bit of banter to start the episode, And You and me, what we do here, what we kind of the beans and the crux of the story, we go and we talk about stuff and things, don't we, Ant? We talk about stuff and fucking things. So, how are you doing today? Yeah. You doing all right? You got coffee? Yeah. You feeling all right? Yeah. You chirpy? You happy? You blippy? You blappy? Blippy. Blippy, blippy. Blippy, the kid blippy. Ch- children's entertainer, Blippy. The guy who shot on himself? No, he shot on one of his friends. Oh, right. Yeah. Never mind then. No, not no. that guy. The one who shot on himself. That was when he was Steezy McDaniels. No, no, the other one. The one who shot on himself. Tub Girl. Um, anyway, so uh, let's not talk about, you know, previous children's show presenters like Tub Girl. Let's instead talk about some stuff we're looking forward to. And I've got some news. Have you? After talking to a friend who works in VFX, I have been told that potentially, mm. and, you know, this is on the down low, Potentially, Black Widow is going to miss its newest release date, <gasps> and it will be pushed to Disney Plus. <gasps> the problem they're having is with the current wave of Div- Disney Plus stuff they've got. They've already got obviously um, we got One Division that's currently happening. That's going to happen all the way until mid February because it's eight episodes weekly, um, and then after that we got Winter Soldier in March, mm. and I think that Black Widow's current release date is around March April. They reckon they're going to miss that because of COVID and they're going to push for a Disney Plus release. The reason this started is because the UK Disney Plus had a splash page that had Black Widow appearing on it alongside some other films that are coming to Disney Plus alongside cinemas. Uh-huh. So there's that rumour is growing and growing and growing. But he said that he's had communications that... Because um, VFX artists to and studios... put the bad special effects because <laughs> no one's going to notice them. No, VFX artists and studios and stuff like that, they don't really get paid additional if the film... It's not like being an actor. You don't get, like, checks for every time it's, like, syndicated and shit like that. But within that studio, you talk to a lot of people and apparently some actors have been advised that their syndication contracts may change. So we'll see how that goes. That's kind of the reason... Do you remember Godzilla versus King Kong was like up in arms and people were like, we're not going to get fucking paid, we're not going to get the right syndication, you know, mm. we're not going to get checks for when it's showing and stuff like that. Um, that's a similar thing, is that the part of the process is that when it's bought by the studios, every time it's shown, you get checks for when people buy a license to put shot on the TV and stuff. Um, not on like individual TVs, but TV stations, I should say. So yeah, so interesting, because I'm looking forward to Black Widow and I'd like to see it at some point. It's been over a year since it's meant to be released. No, let's not have any Marvel films again. No? For another year. Yeah, let's skip it. Well, considering how much I'm enjoying WandaVision, I would like to see something Marvel on the big screen. I'd really like to go back to the cinemas. It's not looking likely for a good few months now. No. No. Uh, no. But, you know, never mind. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, the reason, another reason is Shang-Chi is meant to come out. And if they push Black Widow to come out before Shang-Chi, they reckon it's going to be like one month where... Disney Plus, the home release, which of Black Widow will be competing against Shang-Chi, which is still scheduled to be a cinema release, but that's unlikely as well, I reckon. Yeah, whatever. I look forward to Shang-Chi as well. I like martial arts films. It won't be a martial arts film. Oh, it's meant to be like a proper martial arts film. Yeah. Well, come Marvel on now. say stuff like that. Yeah, It'll just be the same as all the others. I, I'd say... It's still going to end with him fighting a version of himself that's like evil. Well, another then, martial artist. I hope he's yeah. fighting martial artists. No, I don't want him fighting like I want some to fight a dragon. Well, so and he'll be jumping all over the place, and there'll be CGI. And... I don't know how much you know about like the what was what was said about Shang Chi and like what the plot was meant to be, but it was meant to be the Mandarin. There's no reason a Shang Chi film should cost more than like thirty million to make. It should be a, just a simple low budget kung fu film, but it isn't. It's going to be like two hundred million, 
and it'll have him leaping between giant CGI things that are floating cost, around. No, it is like a, ch- it's a cheaper magic one. And it's shit. a cheaper one for Marvel, but yeah, there will be magic because it's the the Mandarin, who is you know who is an Iron Man villain, but he's also been a Shang Chi villain in the well, comics. They screwed the pooch of putting him as an Iron Man villain, didn't they? Shang Chi has one of my best arcs in the Spider, the Spider Island story. You know the Marvel one where everybody started getting Spider Man powers. There was like a disease that basically they spread through rats. The, That's fucking stupid. The uh, the Jesus Christ. So comics, man. Why can't they just stop a bank heist? So so it's really interesting. So Spider Island, there was a disease that went around. I spoke about this like two weeks ago. Uh, but anyway, so Shang Chi is um, training because this is around the time when Peter Parker lost his spider sense. Do you know how his mutation fluctuates? So he loses his Peter Tingle, but he lost yeah. his spider sense. So Shang Chi was basically teaching him how to fight. So when he's in a fight, he uses his reflexes to try and avoid being hit because he found uh, out well, they use Shang Chi instead of Dead Devil because they had a Shang Chi film coming up. And also, I think it's kind of different to lose your spider sense over your sight. He can still see. Yeah, no, Dead Devil would be the obvious pick. Why? Because you'd have the whole thing like, oh, shut your eyes and you'll sense where the attacks are coming in. So lose two senses yeah. to get better at fighting. Yeah. <laughs> lose your sight and your spine. Yeah. No, it's the obvious choice is to just become a fighter. Like, that's kind of the thing no, about that's Superman, Samurai Jack, it? where he has to blindfold himself and leap through all the arrows and everything. Dodge that, all the arrows. Yeah, Samurai Jack. But, but what I'm saying is that that was one of my favourite arcs that involves Shang-Chi interacting with another. Because Shang-Chi My favourite him- arcs of Spider-Man is when the villain's like, ha ha ha, Spider-Man, you'll never stop me. I'm going to steal some diamonds. And Spider-Man's like, I'll stop you, insert villain here. Once I'm done adjusting my glasses and, and being then a they, you know, he stops some jewel heist or but some no, shit. But no, it, like, it was a really interesting interaction. And I like the idea... Because superheroes are always... You look at someone like Superman. If Superman's depowered and he gets into a fight with someone, they usually kick his ass if they've got a little bit of training because Superman doesn't really know how to fight fight. He just sort of goes in and goes, if I swing my big fists, I'm so strong, I'll win this. And like every fight you see with Superman versus someone else, they're kind of in a similar boat to Superman because they're just like, I'm doing big roundhouse haymakers. Because they just, they don't never need to learn how to fight. So I like the idea of superhero who loses a sense and goes, well, I probably need to learn how to fight and rely on, you know, my actual other senses. I liked it when Venom was driving a truck in the cartoon and he's driving the truck and honking the horn and he's got the mouth open with the tongue yeah, yeah. yeah. that was great yeah more I stuff like, the like fact, that it's really weird that the comics handled Venom so well because they had him as a villain for a long period of time and then they sort of Eddie Brock reformed and then became like an anti-hero within the animated series but sort of natural feeling progression for him because it was after they it was after that auditorium was being crushed being pulled down by Carnage he was like no you're killing my girlfriend he's like power of bonus is too strong you remember that? Separation anxiety? Maximum carnage? <laughs> on the Super NES. Yeah, yeah, on the Super yeah. Um, But yeah, like all in all, I'm excited about Marvel films coming out again, but unlikely that they'll be coming to cinemas, which is disappointing. When are they going to do a Marvel film where Spider-Man goes to space and gets cosmic? Oh, they already did a one where he goes to space. Did they? He goes to space in Avengers Endgame. Nah. Fucking Infinity you War, diff- You saw a different film. Yeah. So they've been doing Spider-Man films for a couple of years and he's already gone to space. It'd be cool if they made it so that his so that his um, cuz you know he's got it in that containment field. In the last film he was in, he was he stopped a bunch of muggers from robbing a cash machine. That's Spider-Man stuff. And then he's all like, "Oh, I'm grabbing hold of a spaceship and going to space and now I'm on another planet and I'm fighting Thanos." Like fucking oh my god. He was in a few films before that happened, you know. And also they established he'd been fighting crime for a while. Oh, so that's the natural progression. Well, he was fighting crime for yeah. a while, and then he kind of joined the Avengers and fought in the Civil War film, 
And then he got his own film where he, he was had a fighting. cameo in the Civil War film. And then basically. he got into his own film where he fought a giant version of Vulture. <laughs> the biggest Vulture I think there's ever been. And then went into sub-atmospheric <laughs> conditions. Gets to space. Well, he almost went to space in Homecoming, you realise. It doesn't matter. He went to space. In <laughs> like he almost went to space in Homecoming. I'm just, he's a friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man. I know he's a friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man, but in the comics he's used quite liberally in other conditions as well. Oh, they're going to have him be the, the takeover Stark or partner. They, gonna... uh, no, they've, they've said that, that that doesn't really work because Sony's... Because Sony still own him. They're going to make him a billionaire in the frigging films. I was going to see it coming. He's going to be a billionaire and he's going to basically be the new Stark. They'll give him a beard. You're so angry about this. I like Spider-Man. Review something, your penis. Oh, right, yeah. So I'm going to go first this week. And as I said, we review stuff and things. And this week I've been... Well, I say this week. This lockdown, this last year of our oh lives. Oh my God, take forever. I know, right? Um, this last year of our lives, we've been fucking trapped inside. So most of us have been relying on Netflix to uh, get by, right? And uh, and I'm sure you've watched some interesting stuff, haven't you? No. Well, over a week... No, I've watched nothing. Well, over a week... Do I, I say a week? About nine days, I watched every series of The Office, the American comedy series. <laughs> and so I'm going to review the entirety of The Office. You haven't watched any other stuff? I did watch other stuff. All this stuff. other stuff you keep leaving on endlessly. On I watched uh, Superstore is the newest sitcom I'm watching all of. I'm on season five. I'm almost done. Oh, that's that American ripoff, the UK supermarket one, isn't it? it? Probably. Yeah. Probably. I find UK sitcoms grating. Mm. I'd find American sitcoms less grating because their world you is... You said My Hero was your favourite sitcom ever. Did you know they tried to remake that in America? Oh, God. It's bad. No. Um, did you ever watch the American IT crowd? Uh, there was only one episode. Yeah, well, yeah. Did you ever watch the episode? It was a pilot. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. 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 How could anyone think John McHale is like, hey, we need like a really nerdy archetype. Oh, I've got an idea. John McHale. <laughs> Captain Handsome. Mm. This is post, post um, hair plugs as well, so he had hair again. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Are you so reviewing the American something? Office? So I've watched... Seriously reviewing the American Office? Yes, I watched all nine seasons. I oh, think there are yeah. nine. Might be ten. I watched all nine seasons of the American Office. So this is this is the American remake of the English, British, I should say, sitcom The Office, which was two seasons and a Christmas special. Really nice and simple, and it wrapped everything up. The American version, not so simple. Goes on for nine series, uh, starring... Um, starring, uh, starring various people. Steve Carell. <laughs> Steve Carell. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. So Rain the, Wilson. Rain Wilson, you've got uh, J- you've got uh Jenna Jen, Jen, um J- J- Fisher. Yeah, thought used to be Mike James Gunn. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you've got um you've got uh you've got uh director Tom of Clan, Jack Place. Ryan. Director of Quiet Place. Yeah. And you've got Creed yeah, Jack Ryan. Yeah. You've got BJ Novak, you've got um uh, there's multiple other people in there, like you've got David Cochner turns up for a cameo and you've got Everyone turns up for a yeah, cameo in that yeah. show. Um Idris Alba turns up for a cameo for a little bit and then eventually you, you, the career, the crew expands and you've got other people in there as well, including Ed Helms and stuff like that. And Rashida Jones as a as a go in it as well. Um so yeah, so the American Office Really weird series. It starts off pretty similar to the UK one, and it's just it's basically just a crew filming a documentary about a paper company. Obviously, the UK version that was that wasn't the case. The UK version it was just like meant to be a sitcom, but it was like a single camera sitcom, and it was treated as if nothing nothing was being filmed until I think the last episode they did address it, like the Christmas special. They addressed it like when is this going to be on or whatever. Mm. Um, but in the American one, that pretense keeps up for nine years. Um, including a couple of episodes that I think were sideways spin-off attempts. 
which we'll get to in a little bit. But anyway, so the premise is that it's, a, it's an American paper company um, that is that is in a time of everything moving to emails and stuff like that is somehow still doing okayish business. You've got the the main cast and you just follow them for nine years. Um, the main character is, is is Michael Scott. Everyone knows the American Office show. Yeah. Okay. Fine. All right. Fine, like it's fine. the most watched show on TV. Fine. Like there's Friends American subscribe subscription programs that will only give you seasons one to four if you're on the lower tiers. Really? You don't get the rest unless you're on the higher tiers. Fucking hell. And it works. So people pay the higher tiers so they can have the last few seasons of The Office. Okay. So uh, Americans are dumb. So I, everything's dumb. It's. I, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to upset anyone by saying this, but the American Office. But you've got some pretty harsh stuff to say about them Jews. <laughs> <laughs> the American Office is just fine. Oh. It's not great. A lot of episodes feel like they're redundant, which I think is going to be the case with so many American sitcoms because they have to run for 22 episodes per season. You get like loads of shit in there that just doesn't need to be there. Um, but, and, and I say this like tentatively, there is something about that cast and that group that, uh, that does make it like a comfort thing. Eventually, even if episodes don't make you chuckle once or twice, there is something comforting about those people in that group and their interactions. Like, um, it's just nice at times. And season one through eight, they pretty much stick to the, stick to the template. Like it's a paper company, people are doing stuff. Sometimes there's like little technological things they want to do. Like eventually it gets bought by Saber. And Saber is... People um, have watched this show. Yeah, I know people have watched this show, but I'm just trying to talk about it. That's the problem. Like, when it comes to so much TV, it's hard to talk about it and be non-specific about moments because there's just hours and hours and hours of content. But, like, in general, I enjoyed it. I thought it was interesting. I think that... I've watched this before, and I think that a lot of the episodes sort of went over my head. Like I said, some of them feel like filler. Because you were too young to understand the context. No, it's not even that I was too young to understand. It was just a case of um, there just wasn't enough to progress like a like an over-narrative, over, over like a narrative that ran through the season. So they just sort of like disappear. Um, but, but there are bits I really appreciated this time around. Like Jim is, for every episode, Jim is tri- kind of untouchable. He's a prick. Like, he is a prick. He treats Dwight like shit. And he does these horrendous things. And and Dwight is just one of those people that's a job's worth. Like, they're the people that take so much pride doing such a shit job. And, like, you kind of get the feeling You that, identify with Dwight. No, I don't. Um, I don't even identify with Jim. I don't know who I identify with in this office. A combination of the two? I get pissed off if stuff's not being done. It's the guy in the delivery bay. What's um, his face? Craig Robinson. Yeah, him. The guy who plays... Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. Craig Robinson, the actor. Um, He's great. Yeah. He's really good. DJ, Re- DJ Request. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is DJ Request. Hold strong. They'll try and test you. <laughs> um, Play he... something nice and slow? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he is great. And there is a particular moment where he's he's most interesting, and that is whenever someone notices how good he is at his job and how wasted he is in in, the, in his job, he pushes back against against like adoration and and like and and even like a, a job job movement like going up in the company. He pushes back against it like there's there's some part of him that wants to fail because he hates working for that company. And there is a there's a moment where they're trying to make like a like a video a documentary. They're told we're going to do an ad for every Dunder Mifflin location. 
So we're going to send a film crew and they're just going to film it and then you just... And like they think it's going to be this big artistic output from their company and it turns out it's just 10 seconds of them smiling and waving at the front of the office building as it zooms out. And they're like, they're like, great guys, well done. And he's like, well, we can do better. So Michael starts filming this elaborate story about paper and the movement of information. And he tasks Craig Robinson and a group of other people to write a theme tune. And they keep coming up with these super fucking catchy. Like he's on the he's on the little synth, like making this incredibly catchy theme tune. Every time Mike's like, Can you make it more um I don't want to say the word? And he's like, You want you want to make it more soulful? And he's like, he's like, Yeah, let's try soulful. Let's try soulful. And it's just stupid shit like that's been told a million times over. But by the time that joke happens in this, you've sort of you've met those characters and you sort of you know the foibles and what they're aiming for. Uh, but yeah, Craig Robinson's great. But my favourite character that comes into it is probably Idris Elba. I think that most people hated him as a guest in the programme. But in reflection, I fucking love the fact he hates Jim. Like, he really hates Jim. <laughs> like, he he calls him out for all his shit. Like, the day he comes in, Jim's wearing a tuxedo because Dwight sent out a memo saying that people are dressing professionally. So Jim comes in in a full tuxedo, his hair gelled to the side. And he keeps using the word classy to convince Michael to do shit. So he's like, he's like, Michael, a bagel breakfast is a good idea. Is it classy? <laughs> it's just like, I'm thinking caviar. I'm thinking champagne. It's like, that is classy. That's a classy idea. And then in comes Idris Elba. And he's like, why are you wearing a tux? And Jim immediately has to explain that he's trying to prank somebody. He's like, oh, it's really funny. So Dwight sent out this memo for people to dress more professionally. And so I wore this tux to kind of mess with him. And Idris Elba's like, so you thought this was a good use of company time? And it's just like, he's immediately like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and it's just ridiculous shit. Like, and eventually, Idris Elba has to have a meeting with the CEO of the whole company of Dunder Mifflin. And um, and he goes, you know what? Jim Jim has been good, but Dwight's kind of in my guard on this. And he goes, oh, really? That's, that's surprising because the CEO's seen how much of a moron Dwight is. He's a good salesman, but he's a fucking nut job. I think this is after Dwight's been given a bunch of quotes from yeah. Mein Kampf to read in front of the other salesman because mm. he's been called salesman of the year so like we gave him some inspirational quotes to use during his speech and he goes on slamming his hand on the counter and doing these Hitler quotes in front of the whole of the sales force of Dunder Mifflin um, anyway he comes into this meeting with, with Idris Elba and, and Dwight's like I know we've got competition in those areas could we in some way perform some sort of tactical operation in which we steal their paper supplies, slowly reducing down their resources, and then eventually them dying naturally as their business depletes. And he's like, how would we do that? And he goes, I don't know, steal their trucks or some sort of illegal activity like that. And, he's, he's, and he just looks at him. And David Wallace and Jim are just like, so you're saying that we should steal their... Okay, I think we'd go for a more traditional route with this business plan. I was just like, fuck, who is this person I've invited into this meeting? How has he convinced me he's a genius? But yeah, so... The ninth season, so so specifically season one through eight, standard, it's just a sitcom, you know, there's hit and miss episodes, and I kind of enjoyed it right up until that point. And then season nine gets weird. So season nine, they basically, Michael Scott's no longer there, Ed Helms is now running the branch, although he's having his own weird issues. Catherine Tate's now a member of the staff there, because she was previously um, something to do with Joanne, who is a character that's played by, oh fuck, the woman from, um, not Frailty, the woman from... What's the film where the guy gets hobbled? I don't know. Oh, God. She's from about Schmidt as well. She sleeps with Jack Nicholson. No. Oh. She's a really famous actress, and I can't oh. remember her name. She was in all the American Horror Story shit as well. Oh. Uh, 
no God. idea. She's like a larger actress. She's really good. She's in like loads of American stuff. She hobbles at James Card in fucking um, Misery. Oh. Who's what's her name? You know who I'm talking about, don't you? I can't remember her name. She plays a woman named Joan. Kathy Najimsky. <laughs> oh, is it Kathy Bates? Yeah. No, wait, it's not, is it's it? It's Kathy Bates. Is it Kathy Bates? Okay, yeah. So Kathy Bates plays this, like, this, this nut job text. Rosie O'Donnell. Writing <laughs> with my sister is a bad film. Um, so, yeah, so um, she sells the company off again, all, all gets turned over, and Ed Helms becomes, like, yeah, the uh, runner of Dunder Mifflin. And he has, like, a breakdown, and his dad dies, and he has to sell a boat, and he disappears from the series for a few episodes, which was actually because he was filming The Hangover Part 3. So, you know, you can't really blame them for having to come up with stuff. But it just throws that, like, everyone that you kind of were seeing as these, like, softer characters that you sort of, you'd grown to enjoy over time, just start showing these traits where they just start becoming pricks. Like, Jim, this is the point where Jim, in season eight, he's, like, sort of lying to Pam a lot. He's, like, he's pretending that he isn't interested in going and joining this company that he is. Their marriage suffers, they go to marriage counselling. And then season nine, she's, like, having breakdowns and really not coping well with the distance and how much he's having to put into this other company. And he just doesn't see it. And I was thinking, like, you you watched two seasons of him trying to get with Pam. A season where they tried desperately to make things work, despite the fact that, for most of it, they're with other people and they're, sort of, they're not finding that moment to connect. And then five seasons of them being in love, getting married, having all these moments and, like, you're there for a long period of time. And then suddenly season nine, you're like, oh, Jim doesn't really see that his wife's unhappy. It's like, how the fuck does he not see his wife's unhappy? Like, he saw when she was unhappy when they weren't together. He hasn't seen the show on TV. <laughs> like, but, you know, it's it's just such a strange turn. And I think it's because they didn't get, they didn't get a secured season 10. I think they kind of knew they were going to end it at night. So they started changing the writing a little bit. So it just sort of comes off as the meaner series. And like I said, there's that spin-off episode, which was Shroot's Farm, which is really interesting because Thomas Middleditch is in it. And he he's uh, from Silicon Valley. Um, I don't watch all these shows. He's in loads of stuff. He's in you Zombieland 2. stuff endlessly. I haven't seen Zombieland 2. <sighs> anyway, so Thomas Middleditch is in are. it. And he's he's just this nebbish character. He was in... You You're remember, nebbish. Did you ever watch Jake and Amir? No. The shorts? No. Okay. No. Never mind. Okay, so Thomas Middleditch, really good actor, really funny guy. He's in it and he turns up and he's like, oh, I'm the shrewd that people don't like. And they're like, oh, why don't you like you? And he's like, well, I bought a farm when my, when, you know, Pop passed away because he gave us all money. So I went out and I bought a farm in California. And when they said it was a worm farm, I thought they meant like I would be farming worms for like, you know, animal food. Turns out worm farms mean something different in California. So now I own the biggest weed farm in California. And he's just this weird nebbish guy who doesn't smoke weed. He doesn't do it. He's just like, I grow the finest product I can on my grounds. Just a really weird character. And I kind of, I'm a little bit disappointed they didn't pick up the series because there's like a lot of little bits and pieces here and there where you can see it working as a sitcom. And it's like, because the idea is that they're, um, during the last season, Dwight's aunt passed away, so there's like a funeral. And then during the reading of the will, they find out that they've inherited this massive farm, like the biggest plot of land in the area. And so he's thinking, okay, so if we as a family start doing this, but then obviously they changed that sort of 10 episodes in when they realised they weren't going to get the spin-off and they realised they weren't going to get the 10th the series. They sort of started moving towards Dwight marrying Angela. 
despite the fact that right up until that point he was dating a neighbor girl and that kind of seemed like a character that was going to be introduced as a love interest in the new series so like they switched stuff up a lot it's all just really weird and it feels strange to see it that way but like it it ends definitively that's kind of what i'm trying to say yeah Season 9 does end definitively because like the documentary comes out and then the last episode is sort of like it's not a reunion it's like the people that were working there sort of going over a few moments it's not like a clip show because it's only the last couple of minutes there's clips mm. but it is just like a, it's been a year since we filmed The Office everyone's gone off and done different stuff or people are still working there or the company has changed and like and so it's just catching up with those characters and seeing where they all are and it's, it's just a nice, sweet way. And I kind of wish that they had season eight and then a very small or truncated version of season nine. And then after that, you had like little episodes for everyone a year later, see what their life was like to just give the writers a chance to go, where would this character be once this documentary airs? Where would this character be? What are the ramifications of that character? Just like smaller, give them a chance to breathe because it's really nice in those seasons. And by that point, Michael Scott's been out of it. So, so for three seasons. So by that point, you've not had that character that was integral to the intro and got hair plugs for the second season, which is so fucking weird to see. So in the first season, his hair's really thinning. Hmm. Like, he's got massive, like, like really thin parts on his head. Second season, he's got a lush head of hair. <laughs> he got that office money. Yeah, he's got the office money now. <laughs> he got hair plugs straight away. <laughs> but yeah, like, he comes back and... and um and uh, and Dwight's line is he he goes I can't believe you came and then Michael Scott obviously being played by someone um, who I can't remember the name of now <laughs> I'm losing my mind today and uh, Michael Scott says that's what she said and in like perfect delivery starts like trying not to giggle like <laughs> like that and I was just like oh he's like he's exactly the same character he's done well this is cool um, they have a really funny joke for that character as well. When they're going to do a shitty Michael Scott spin-off movie. No, they're doing that. They might be doing a, a reboot soon of The no. Office. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But for that shitty David Brent movie, no one watched. That's dog shit. Yeah. Um, no one likes. Uh, this is the thing I don't understand. Ricky Gervais isn't funny anymore. I don't know. I don't know if anyone saw Animals. Animals is really good. Like it's really funny. Who no cares about Ricky Gervais? Fuck him. But then after that, like, he just made dog shit after dog shit. Anyway, that's besides the point. Getting back to the point. Getting back to the point. We've never gone anywhere near the point. So, um, yeah, there's a really funny joke. Michael's showing Pam all the pictures of his kids. And then as he's showing her the pictures, he puts one phone away and then reaches into his other pocket and pulls out another phone and starts showing her more pictures. And she says, he's so happy and he's got this family and he's got his kids and he's, you know, he's finally living his life and being happy with, with outside of work. And uh, and he told me he's got so many pictures of him, his kids, and his family that he had to get a second phone to store all the pictures because I think he's too stupid to realise like cloud and shit like that. It's just a nice little nod to the idea that there's just this earnest character that never really knew about the world, never really knew what was going on. He just sort of every so often when he needed to, he clued in, and you got that sense of someone who knows what they're doing. But then the five minutes later, they just completely fell apart. It's like that friend that when you're on a night out drunk and you're trying to get into a club, like you have to walk them to the queue and you kind of have to get them to the bouncer. But as soon as they get to the bouncer, like, hi there, sir, I'd like to come in for a drink, please. And you're like, the fuck did this prick come from? And that's kind of the feeling you get from him as a character throughout the whole series. But but yeah, The Office, The American Office, it is meh. It's like, I can't think of a person to, to account this to. So I'm going to just say it's like a six out of 10. That's as good as I can give it. It's not bad. It's not, 
It's not just Why are you okay. On America's favorite sitcom. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not okay. It's okay-ish. It's pretty good. It's almost good. Great, but it's just it's just right. It's and six you out watched ten. every single episode. Yeah. Of a show that you think is just okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I'm watching Superstore, which I don't like. Yeah. I told you about this. Stop watching it. <laughs> no, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to get. There's a season six that's airing right now, so I'm going to watch that when it's out as well. It's the final season. You know those freaking gamers who put reviews on Steam saying this game sucks and it got played 205 hours or something. <laughs> Rust. I yeah. hate this game. This game's terrible. It's the worst no, game I, ever I, made. Can't stand it anymore. It's 1,000 hours played. Like, you're not supposed to play stuff that long. Like I said, I... Especially if you don't like it. Well, I... I kids today. I, like I said before, I was looking for something to watch and I've seen it before and I knew there were good and bad episodes I enjoyed and, you know, I just enjoyed what I could from this series. And it was quite a lot of it, but like I said... You didn't like it, but you spoke about it for 20 minutes. That's not bad. You're right, you're with you, Ant. Jesus Christ. You're with you, Ant. Right, Star Trek Lower Decks. Oh, God, Ant! We spoke about this. No, you didn't. Um, Star Trek Lower Decks was all right. Shouty American sitcom, one of those... The modern cartoon American sitcoms, especially the cartoon ones, are very um, shouty, noisy, overly aggressive comedy where the whole... Most of the jokes, a lot of the time... Our characters screaming, did you see the thing that just happened? Which is what American comedy... It's Family Guy syndrome, isn't it? Family Guy ruined American comedy for I'd years. I'd Rick and Morty more than Family Guy. No, no, Rick and Morty's a byproduct of the Family Guy problem. Yeah. Um, it's the referential stuff. But Lower Decks itself is a referential thing, because it's based on Star Trek. Yep. But what this show does kind of really well is subtly, for like eight episodes, it works in tiny little moments of character development. And they're only tiny little things, and they're not necessarily major points in the episode. There might be the point of the episode, but it's not like a massive step is made in those episodes. And then you get episodes 9 and 10 at the end that are two genuinely fantastic pieces of television where you fully explore two characters, a bunch of characters and the situations they're in, and you bring together all the stuff that's happened over the course of the series to the final episode, ties the whole thing together, and... You get like that feeling that there's a show where they've taken some of the core of Star Trek, but they've shoved all the stuff that doesn't really work in a comedy to one side, which is all their scientific explanations, figuring out everything. And it makes this running gag throughout the show that they never really figure out anything. They just, mm. they get stuck in some crazy situation, shit happens, and they learn something along the way. Um, and it tends to be quite often during the show, Boimler and um, Thingy are split off in one group. Boimler and. Fr- uh, What's her name? Freeman or something? I can't remember. Whatever. Oh, you're talking about... Uh, what is, she's like... She's not... She's not... She's got a title, isn't she? She's not... Mariner. Mariner. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, a, not, that's that... her mother... It's her mother's maiden name. Yeah. But, um, apparently. But they're split off in one group and Tendi and the other guy are split up in another group and it's kind of like they constantly have their little adventures and that's how it goes for the whole series. God, I love... I love uh, Tendi. Who, Tendi's is, great. Is and Tendi the, sort of... the science officer? Yeah, she's the... Oh, no, she... I'm talking about the android guy. Yeah, he's not a science officer. That's engineering. Oh, engineer. Sorry, yeah, you're fucking right. Fucking idiot. Yeah. Fucking clod. Sorry, I haven't watched Jesus it. Jesus like, fucking watched Christ. They're wearing yellow. They're operations. I haven't watched it in almost a year. Jesus. Because it's only been added to Amazon Prime. Six months ago it came out. Six months, sorry. Yeah, but Jesus. yeah, this is Amazon Prime. Isn't but um, the way it builds up and all that, and they have their little adventures, and they all learn stuff, and every single adventure gets called back in the last episode in a yeah. way that's kind of smart. Like, they're getting attacked by... Um, Packleds. Packleds in Star Trek are a joke race. They only appear in like one episode and a couple of background moments, but mm-hmm. basically their whole thing was they stole stuff from other ships and 
to make them go strong, make them be faster and stuff. And there's an episode where they kidnap Geordie and basically hold him hostage and make him make their ship stronger. Um, Geordie! It's a great episode where they're just like, make it go and all this sort of stuff. But what they did in this, they brought the pack leads back and made them a genuine threat where they've been stealing stuff from shitloads of spaceships and made these massive war frigates. Um, But they don't know what they're doing because they're idiots. The pack leads are basically incredibly basic and have sort of basically stolen their way into having high tech stuff. Mm. It's like if you were to give a baby uh, like iPad and, you know, and it starts using the higher functions rather than just playing the game we pop bubbles. Yeah. Um, but the fact they managed to turn the pack leads into a genuine threat is crazy. But that last episode, the whole thing where all these things that happen in, earlier in the series, they call back the little training program he used. They need weapons to fight them with. So they pull out all the weapons and stuff that's, um, Mariner's been hiding for the whole series, like the rusty Batleth and stuff. Mm. And it all comes together. And for this last episode, they're like a competent crew that hold everything together. And the one before that, where it's like the movie one, where it's basically Mariner working through her problems with her oh, mum. I fucking love that episode. That episode's fantastic. That's like genuinely good television. Do you know what's even funnier is I fucking love the costume, the fact it's just a shitty fur yeah. vest, and then it's just like a, a bandolier. It's like, I'm the villain on Black Eye Paint. <laughs> I'm the villain. Yeah, it's just, yeah, no man little references to the Star Trek movies and the tropes and yeah. the taking ages to fly around the ship and getting <laughs> trapped and then having to work together to save each Yeah. But um, no, the series, like, I can understand some people might get put off by the first few episodes, but you have to kind of not see it as Star Trek, but see it as, like, the heart of Star Trek, which is basically a bunch of people, like, learning stuff through weird events that are happening, and yeah. that's what it's about. But it's it's not really a Star Trek show. Like, this could have been a sci-fi thing that wasn't set in Star Trek universe, but the fact it is does mean that you get, like, you know... You can tell the people making it love their Star Trek. Oh yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. Is like it's not just the references. It's no. like they understand how the plots play out. And I think that's the difference between something like this and Rick and Morty. Like Rick and Morty is essentially just a wizard. He can just mm. do whatever the fuck he wants. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's just science. Like whatever he wants to play his ass. Whereas this, because they restricted to Star Wars, Star Trek stuff. Sorry, almost made a really bad faux pas there. Because they restricted to Star Trek stuff. Like everything they do is is. You know, everything they do or everything they, they do to save themselves, it is all so intrinsically linked to that law. Mm. Like, it's all in there. Like, yeah. the whole thing where someone's out of phase, that's it's happened in Star Trek. <laughs> he's just <laughs> walking onto the bridge and yeah. he's like humming. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, no, I got what you on about. I fixed this. I think I fixed this. And like, it's like, okay, I'm still out of phase. Yeah, but you're not humming anymore. Yeah. <laughs> just. And like, the idea of like, they've got a Klingon warbird. Is that like a warbird that is the hospital? It's like this really. That's sinister, not Klingon war. It? It's like a really sinister-looking ship. Sinister ship. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it looks like the old. Take them to the farm. Yeah, it looks like the pointy warbird sort of thing. It's not warbird. No, you, okay. Not knowing your Star Trek. But that same episode, they've got the dog, which, yeah. <laughs> which is like, I've, guys, I've done it. I, I've made a dog. It's like, okay, that's a dog. He's like, yeah, 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 it's definitely a dog. And then every so often, in the background, you see it floating and glowing or something. Yeah, and it talks to her. Yeah. I thought, like, the problem was Lower Decks. I, uh, the first episode, I was like, okay, I'll just watch this, but it's not something I was looking forward to, or not something I was... The first episode's not a great start to the show. No, but, like... I think it's probably uh, the weakest episode of the, the series. The first episode is the weakest, and then the second episode is so full of references, and becomes that show that where you're like, okay, so... I noticed a, um, a Dirty Pair reference, which is, like, if there's a reference to Dirty Pair, you know the anime? 
Kay and Yuri were the two main characters in Dirty Pair. Okay. If you watch your Star Trek, every now and again you'll see written in weird alien languages letters that spell out the words Kay and Yuri. Mm. Um, because the um, Star Trek writers were dirt fans of Dirty Pair in Next Generation, so they kept referencing it. And like there's it. a shop that has the word K over its shop, over its title, over its name, because they because the writers are such nerdy Star Trek twats. They worked in a reference to Dirty Pair, which was referenced in friggin' Star Trek Next Generation all I, the time. I enjoyed Jonathan Frakes appearing for, for an episode at the yeah, end. Marin Assertis was there as well. Yeah. And there's the John Delancey cameo. It's a few little bits. Yeah. I, I like The whole series, I really enjoyed. And I was, I'm glad that people that love Star Trek are allowed to make a show in which they're like, it would be funny if like there was a love alien and it turns out that it's actually an infection that makes him, because he's weak, appear attractive. <laughs> And uh, and I thought that was even funnier. I was like, I was like, yeah, no, I would assume that it was some sort of evil love alien trying to kill him. And it's like, oh no, it's actually just yeah. I like the, there's all sorts of nice stuff in there. I like the, just the the lack of attempt to explain weird shit. I always like like that um, one spaceship they come across where they rescue the crew and the ship's turning organic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not turning organic. It's got an alien it's inside being, it. Yeah, it's got that. There's another episode where stuff turns organic, but yeah. there's. Um, there's one where there's something inside the ship that's tearing it apart when the energy's on. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, they're just like, well, it turned into some sort of life form. We don't know what it is, but it seems peaceful. So whatever, off we go. It's um, a planet, isn't it? That I'm, if they're real, if the writers do what I think they're going to do, they're going to bring that back in another episode. Because in the original series of Star Trek Next Generation, early on, there's a giant crystalline entity. And they're just like, oh, whatever, fuck it. It's peaceful. <laughs> let it go. And then it fucking turns up again because law has used it. <laughs> they let data... Law gets taken away by it or some shit. It comes back. But anyway, lower decks. It's fine. It's decent. I think I think if they made it a bit quieter, you know, slowed the pace down a bit, make it a bit quieter. Less of the did you see that craziness? And less of the attempt to be sweary constantly. Just concentrate on the comedy stuff, because the comedy stuff works really well. Just yeah. be a good comedy Star Trek and you can do it. I think that I, I like a lot of the sweary mm. stuff. I like the fact that it's just like bouncing all over the place and it's it feels like it's these. Because are... you've got short attention span. No, no, span I, think, I think I think they make it clear that the main characters aren't the characters we're following. Like the main characters of this series would be the people on the front deck, and it's like the that Chris Pine, the front Chris... deck, yeah, the bridge, the bridge. It's like that they've got a, Chris, a mix of Chris Pine. Chris, they've got a mixture of Chris Pine and William Shatner in their character, who's like, who's mm. not the captain. But he it's is, commander. yeah, the commander. Sorry, and he. There's an episode where him and and, and um, the um, mariner are fighting over who's yeah. going to go and go fight the um, the main villain, and he cripples her so that he can be the one who's chosen. As a fact, he immediately rips off his own shirt mm. just because I've got this. Guy. He does the whole fight with double fist punches. <laughs> yeah, just like, and I was like, I was like, oh, this is so. Those are the people that we'd be following in Star Trek. And then these people would be the ones who are well, fucking... The whole, the whole show is based on an episode of Next Generation. Is it really? Yeah, there's an episode of Next Generation called Lower Decks where basically the main crew are barely in it yeah. and it's following around all the um, assistants. Like It's got um, Beverly Crusher's nurse assistant and yeah. a couple of others, all ensigns and lower staff, and they're dealing with their own shit while there's some big event going on. <laughs> and it's based on just one episode. Oh, um, that's cool. But um, no, it's a decent series. I, I, I really liked it. I don't know. I think maybe I'm just fed up with like Rick and Morty and that shit, and I just wanted something that was... That's why I want it to be quieter, because there's no no comedy shows nowadays are quiet. Mm. I want to be able to hear the hum of the engine, man. 
Isn't there an episode where they literally say, "Can you hear the hum of the?" Well, they start trying to compare the hums yeah. of the engine. None of them get it right. It's more of a. It's more of a. <laughs> also, I like the fact that there's a night and a day crew, and the the night crew think the day crew are all splitters and like fucking wusses. Mm. That's quite funny. Uh, but yeah, they never show night shift on Star Trek. There's, um, no, there's, there's one episode of Next Generation where you do see the night shift and the lights get lowered yeah. when it starts um, in Next Generation. But um, I want to know. I've always bothered me on Star Trek that everyone's always on shift at the same time. Mm. Like on a ship like that, like your main bridge crew would probably surely their shifts get moved around. Yeah. Why is Geordie always on duty at the same time as everyone else? And that's bugged me. I mean, Data can be on duty anyway because he never needs to sleep. But like it always bothered me that like there was rarely a situation where shit's going down. Where's the captain? Oh, he's having a nap. <laughs> he had his implant ripped out at one point, didn't he? At the end of the series, he gets it ripped out. That'll be a thing in the next. He's forgotten his, all his memories, hasn't he? He doesn't remember yeah. anything. Yeah, and that was the and whole the, thing. Um, doesn't the the um, security officer die as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that explosion would be enough to kill him. Yeah, he's pretty fucking hench, yeah. isn't he? Um I also really liked who was that fucking? Is that an actual um, species? The cat doctor. Yeah, they're um, Kafari. Oh, right. Um, they're in the animated series. There's a bunch of references to the animated series, actually. Yeah. Um, there's the bird people there. You see Spock and Kirk on there, and they're drawn like they were in the sixty in the 70s animated <laughs> series. Um, yeah. Um, just the little details in there. Like, there's stuff where they... Like, the new Star Trek series have been trying to do, oh, let's try and criticise the idea of the Federation, that they're not quite perfect. Mm. And they do it in this whole, way with the turn of Federation into some racist mess? Whereas this one... You get towards the end of the series, and their conclusion about the Federation is, is that they swoop onto planets, solve their problems, then fuck off and leave them for years. And it's like you can't just assume they're going to be fine. Like, you know, if you're really good people, you would keep an eye on them and make sure that this stuff has worked out. And that's a, that's a valid criticism. It's not like mm. Picard, where their whole thing was like the Federation decided to not help some people who are about to die. And they turn their backs on people who needed refugee status. Yeah, that's 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 it. horrible. That's not Federation like. No. Whereas this is like this, the hubris of the Federation comes in, where it's just like, oh, they've solved this problem. They think it's all solved. You can't just solve a problem in a week and then leave it. Like that. That's a good thing to do. But um, you know, other than, but Star Trek Lower Decks is fine. Hmm. It's decent I, enough. I liked it a lot. I just yeah. I'm not as big a Star Trek fan. I haven't seen as much as you have. So yeah, evidently you just front I almost deck. got it Star Wars a minute ago. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I, there's no mention of the Borg. Oh, actually, there is. There's a Borg. There's a very briefly mention of the Borg. Yeah. Um, Sounds Swedish. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, there's not like are there any Romulans or anything like that? Yeah. There was a couple of little camp things. He's yeah. blinking, you miss some stuff, isn't it? But it was mostly like, mostly it was just like day to day shit, which was nice. Mm. I like the episode where they get rid of their little, um, their minutes in between jobs. Oh, they've the, got like yeah. break time. Buffer between, time. Yeah, buffer time. That is it. Yeah. And they're like, which is a thing just... in Star Trek. Because yeah. they don't actually have, when they in, in Star Trek, the bridge, the crew on the ship, they get given tasks and stuff, but they basically just approach whatever tasks they feel like. Yeah. Like it's all about free form jazz work, and you're always on duty, you work whatever shifts you want, and. What is the episode? There's one episode where one guy's just... The engineer's just calibrating shit. He's just calibrating panels, isn't he? Yeah, he loves it. Yeah. God. It reminds me so much of what I expected the Galaxy Quest series to be like. Because, mm. you know, like, you'd never be able to afford, like, afford the main cast for Galaxy Quest every episode. But you could have a lot of people like... Um, what's his name from uh, Galaxy Quest? Uh, Sam Rockwell. You'd have like tons of people like Sam Rockwell who are just Get like Sam Rockwell to play for. just red shirts. Just yeah. the people doing. I love Tony Shalhoub in uh, Galaxy Quest where he's like, 
we're going to divert power from the weapon system. And that was like, that's like me playing a Star Trek game. <laughs> it's like, take a couple of dots off that and add them to that. And then like, you turn around like, yeah, guys, they think it's a good idea. And everybody's like, high five. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, good job. Good job. But yeah. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Um, all right. My, my review, my next review is going to be, um, is going to be a game I've been playing. I've got to remember the name of the game because I've forgotten it already. It's on Game Pass. I've been playing. Once the app loads, because I've forgotten the game. Sorry, sorry, everyone. I'll do some vamping in the meantime. Do do ba do do ba do 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 ba 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 do 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 no, I can't remember the name of the game. Oh, that's oh, good. God God fucking damn it. What game is it? It was a game I've been playing. Oh, that's really helpful. I'm sorry. I'm fucking sorry. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. I'm really... This is dog shit. Where is it? Where does it tell you what, what game you've played? Is it? It's like a side-on fucking fighty something the end. Unto the end. Uh, something the end. Why doesn't it have a list of stuff that I've been playing? Look at your achievements. Where do I see them on the app? Oh, wait. Uh... You can't remember the names. Last time I had to rename one of the things after I posted the letter (laughs) because you said the name wrong the whole way through the podcast. And it was the one time where I went, you know what, I won't check. I'll trust Matt's got it right this time. (laughs) I can't It's the amount of times I have to friggin' check you said the name of the thing right. Like, it was literally recently added. Why does it not have like a recently added? Just look at your achievements. It'll be one of the last I games you play. I can't see my achievements anywhere on here. This is a shit app. Where do I go? What? Why are you looking on Game Pass? This is the app that I've got. This is the Xbox app. Yeah, look at your profile. Okay. Profile. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And where's your achievements? I don't know. I don't know. One sec. I don't know. I am. I do not know. All right. I'm just recently added. Recently added. Show all recently added. I bet it wasn't recently added, but it's been on there for years. Unto the end. Unto the end. I've been playing Unto the End, which has been added to Game Pass. Yeah. Um, it was Are you added... sure it's called that? Yeah, it was added in December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've been playing Unto the End, which is like a side-on, narrative-driven platform uh, slash horror game in which you play an unnamed protagonist who has to travel through a winterly wasteland, winter, wintry wasteland, to try and perform some unknown task and save his village of small, oh. like a small village. Um, and it's beautiful in a very simplistic way. It's all quite sharp, angular, designed characters. As I said, side on, there's little detail. Instead, you just sort of travel through these large vistas that have like wind whipping around you. Um, and it's, it's purposefully a bit obtuse when it comes to controls. So you've got things like you have L, LB, so L, left bumper. That's your pickup button. So if you are in a fight with someone and you get knocked down, you may have to pick up your sword after the fight or during the fight to attack them back. You also have a throwing, a throwing dagger that's called a bone dagger. Because you're gonna bone dagger down. Um, and yeah, again, once you've, once you've done that, you have to pick it back up with LB. And also you'll be constantly spamming that button anyway, because the ground will have, um, small piles of, of, of bits and pieces that you have to search through to find resources, because you can do things like 
upgrade your armor so you can take a couple more hit points and stuff. It's not it's not a roguelike, so it's all narrative based, so it's all designed. And when it comes to the upgrade system, it's not like roguelikes can have narrative. Yeah, but aren't they always like just random designs? Yeah, but it's not narrative. What's, narr- what's narr- a narrative narr- if something's random? What? You can still have narrative. Hades is narrative based. Yeah, but it's a roguelike. Yeah. Hey, With a narrative. Yeah. Is there an ending? Yeah. It's not a real roguelike, is it? Not a real roguelike. You'll play forever. Yeah. I say this is like a roguelike. <laughs> Moonlight is a roguelike. That's got a story. Yeah. Moonlighter, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you meant the film. And um, what's that other one with the family? Children of Mortar. I've never played that. Is it any good? Yeah, it's really difficult. Oh, okay. Never mind then. I like Moonlighter. I find Moonlighter very easy. But Um, I also get really stuck into the selling stuff. What game are you talking about again? I'm talking about Unto the End. So in Unto the End, yeah, you you play this guy and you basically... I've not gotten far in it because I've been playing it... I've played it for like three hours and I've not gotten far into it because I really don't get on with it. I love Dark Souls, I love games like that, but this, I feel like so many of my encounters, I win by luck rather than skill. So there is a specific couple of moments Should in the... familiar for you. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know what, right, it can't be It can't be just luck if it happens so often that I'm so damn good at games. Um, how are you doing with Mario Party, by the way? You've been training up, because I beat you both times I've played you so far. <laughs> you can train to get better at Mario, Mario Party, there is a way. <laughs> you just play the mini games over and over again by yourself like a loser. <laughs> and that's not what I did. I only had it on the Wii. I had nothing else to play for like a week. Um, anyway, so yeah, so until the end. Um, it's really simple. It's really well designed. And I feel like this is the kind of game that I'd say that people, if you have Game Pass, give it a try. I didn't get on with it. I loved the look of it. I like the idea of it, but I just need a little bit more structure to a game. I need a little bit more like prompting. I need just a little bit more, a little bit more in the way of design. You need daddy to hold your hand. No, just a little bit more in the way of design. Because they do say in the beginning, they you say play specific. Perfect Dark Zero with the arrows on, don't you? Yeah. yeah. And Forza. Um, I do find that it's, it's one of those games that I think if you really like, um, we were speaking about this the other day. If you like Another World, was that it? And then the other one was, what was the other game that that company released? It was a different company. Maybe. Was it a different company? What was the game they released though? That was very similar. Flashback. To Flashback. So it's like another world in Flashback. It's like a modern version of those games, mm. not like ODT, which was was ODT the one that was meant to be a sequel to? No, it was. Um, no, ODT is a futuristic RPG. Yeah, yeah. What's the other one? The um, the one that was meant to be like a sequel to Flashback. It's Fade to Black. Fade to Black. That was it. Mm. Uh, that covered up my fart nicely as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think it looks nice. I think it's well designed. I just don't think it's quite for me. I think there is a version of this lo- out there that I would love, and that's maybe something where um, You're doing a lot of fence sitting there. What You're doing a lot of fence sitting there, aren't you? No, no, no. Because yeah. I this isn't a game that I'm going to force. Supposed to rage about the game, <laughs> be angry about this it. This isn't the kind of game that I'm going to force myself to play and finish. Uh, I think it's the kind of game that if you can play and finish it, then you will, because you'll get stuck and you'll love it every second of it, but I just didn't. So it's like it's definitely something like a Rob Schneider, David Spade situation for me. It's like a 4 out of 10, I'd say, like in terms of my... Why are you rating Rob Schneider and David Spade's looks? No, David Spade is rated higher than Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider's an anti-vaxxer, so technically he's the Adam Sandler of nowadays. No. But yeah, it's like a 4 out of 10. Like, 
I've gone to numbers. Why have I changed? I've changed my bloody. I've gone mad. I've gone to numbers this week. Uh, but yeah, like four out of ten. Strong. It's a strong four out of ten. It's almost a five out of ten. But it's just there's it Who's needs four. It needs a bit more there. Mm-hmm. Like I just need a bit more prompting, and I think a lot of people will. It feels like it's very much. Um, it feels like a prototype for something bigger. I hate to say that because they put a lot of effort into what this is. Yeah. Your yeah. Can't be so harsh on him. And all the stuff I had to edit out that you said it was obscene. I mean, you were the one who started on about the Jews. What? I never said anything about that. You said no. Sorry. Let's let's be specific. You you hated certain Jews. What was it you said? <laughs> Your review, man. Fuck you. Just for that, you get a Star Trek review. <laughs> I was hoping for one. <laughs> Go for it. Go on. I watched Star Trek Next Generation Season 4. Cool. Because it's classic TV. Oh, yeah. Um, like Season 4 of Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah. We've had Season 3. Season 3 was fantastic. Starts, you know, Season 3 ends on a big cliffhanger where Picard got borged. Mm-hmm. And Season 4 starts with the conclusion of that, and it's nice. Because you have the whole, you know, what they're going to do. Is Riker going to become the new captain? Is this jerking place you might be taking over and all this sort of stuff? And what's going to happen? There's conflicts. Is Picard going to be freed from the Borg? They're going to say they do. They save him, obviously. Um, and I like that there's an episode after that where he's sort of like recovering from it and he's gone back to his home in France and he's hanging out with his brother he doesn't get along with. And there's this whole nice story about trauma and all this sort of stuff. Um, good series. The only thing with the series, like season three was bangers the whole way through. Like, absolute, like, non-stop classic episodes of Star Trek. But season four is, like, there's not so many of those until the last half of the series. Like, the last ten or so episodes is, like, constant great episodes, one after the other. But um, this series kind of falters a bit in the middle. Um, And there's no real reason for it. I just think it's the sake of, like, you know, episodes not necessarily hitting all the right spots. Um, And there's, like, some odd weird moments. Like, there's one episode where Deanna's in contact with some alien being that's also trapped in something that's in another phase of existence and she's like there's all these dream sequences where she's floating and it does not look good they tried to tidy it up in the special edition as much as possible but mm. it still looks ropey as heck probably should have cut that and represented that differently um but no the show as a whole is like still a fantastically fun season it's got some absolute classic episodes um like the one where Q's trying to pay back Picard for helping him last time he appeared. Last time Q appeared, he was turned into a human mm. and would have died if it wasn't for Picard and the crew helping him out. Yeah. So he owes Picard, to which Riker says, I'll tell the crew. Like he's going to warn the crew that Q wants to do something nice for him. <laughs> um, so Q basically creates a Robin Hood scenario with Picard's love interest from the holiday episode in the previous series. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's like, it's a fun episode where they're just basically all dressed up in Robin Hood gear and they're going to be executing Maid Marion, who's going, who's Picard's girlfriend lady that he had love interest with. Yep. Um, not really a girlfriend, she's just someone who likes to steal stuff and Picard likes archaeology, so it works out nice for them. Um, <laughs> that poor woman. Yeah. Um, there's great stuff in that episode, like Worf going, I am not a merry man. <laughs> and when he breaks Geordie's loot and just apologises to him, which is probably the only time Worf's apologised for anything. Mm. Um it's a just fun, silly episode. Uh, and the season ends with another really good finale, which is the whole Wolf getting his honour back, which has been a plot thread running from season two. Wolf loses his family honour 
because um, he has to take the blame for his actions of his father because it's like honor runs in the family and Klingon stuff. Yeah. And his father didn't actually commit any sins. It was um, the Duras family's like elder that did this whole thing where he caused the strike on Kitma by working with the Romulans. Who are the Duras? The Duras sisters. Well, the Duras family are like they're just the Klingon villain family from the next generation. The ones that turn up every now and again. The Duras sisters were in um, Star Trek Generations. They were the two Klingon women. Okay. Um, but it's a nice like way to cap this off, where he you know regains his family honor. They make you know they foil a plot by the Rom- Romulans and stuff. But that whole thing, it's like it feels like a singular episode, but then it leaves on an absolute amazing cliffhanger just to mess with you. That was teased in an earlier episode, um, where out of the shadows, this Romulan that's been commanding things, which you could totally tell who it was when before then, because the right shadows on. weren't that dip. De- de- but it's um it's a Romulan who looks exactly like Tasha Yar, <gasps> who died in season one. Who's Tasha Yar? She's the one who dies in season one. Oh, okay. Denise Crosby. Okay. Played her. Um, Wait, not related. So to that's the... how the season ends, where it's like Worf's left the ship to work to join a Klingon ship, and because you know he's got honor bound duties that he needs to complete. Um, and then out of the shadow she comes, and it's like, <gasps> what a cliffhanger! It's a different <gasps> sort of cliffhanger. Cause it's not one where it's like, like what is the where the plot isn't over yet. It's not a midpoint. It's like, that's the sort of cliffhanger you do where you're going, this is what's going to happen next season instead. It's not like Best of Both Worlds where the episode ends mid-episode, effectively. Like, you're not getting an hour and a half long movie that's been split in half. It's This is a definitive episode that has a finale. Mm. Um, there's some other great episodes in it. The one where Data tries to date a crew member and it's like, you know, she's split up with her ex-boyfriend because she says he was didn't have any emotions or anything, and then she falls in love with Data. Like, she's repeating Aww. the same thing because Data doesn't have any emotions. He's incapable of oh, emotion. Oh, come on now. He's got emotions. But he's trying his best to pursue a relationship, and he's studying all these different programs he's written to figure Tinder. out how to do relationships and Tinder? romantic Grindr. movies and stuff. He tries to have, like, a lover's quarrel. <gasps> Aww. <laughs> And all this sort of How stuff. How does that go? Does he? Doesn't go great. No. No. I assume not. No. And meanwhile, an because machine. they need a sci-fi subplot, the ship's hitting weird bubbles that are causing parts of the ship to phase out of existence and blow up. <gasps> I love phasing! Yeah. A woman runs around a corner and then you hear a scream and then she's stuck in the floor. Classic Star Trek moment. She's Just dead. like Lower Super Decks. Super dead. Um, actually mentioned that in Lower Decks. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, the series is just like... It's a solid series. It's one of those ones where all the people working on it, they all know what they're doing. They know what sort of episodes they're doing. You got past that period where Next Generation's trying to figure itself out and what new Star Trek will be because it was it was new at the time. Um, and like Series 3 and 4 are responsible for basically kicking off a whole Star Trek revival for a few years where, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, we had non-stop Star Trek. Star Trek was huge during the 90s. Mm. Um because after season four, Deep Space Nine starts like a few months later than that. Um, you know, we also had like Star Trek First Contact happen. Well, Star Trek Generations happens after Next Gen, but um, Star Trek Six hadn't long come out. Yeah. Um, the so Journey Home. The Undiscovered Country. Oh. Generations? No, Generations is later. 1993, but no, it's a, just a solid, fun series. Lots of character development stuff, some neat episodes, a lot of forgettable ones, but the last half of the series is fantastic. And then, you know, season five, six, and seven to go. <gasps> um, and the end of series cliffhangers get c- progressively worse. You can play um, about re- reviewing all of all of um, shitty office. 
Yeah, it's unhealthy that you watched all The Office in a week. <laughs> I know it is. It's so bad. See, I, I pace myself. I've been watching this for like a month or so. I only sleep like six hours a night. That's so, your fault. You know, you've got to do other stuff. You should sleep for 12 hours like I did today. Fucking hell, really? Yeah. Jesus. Good yeah. on you. Get it where you can. How did I not wake up needing a piss like halfway through that? Usually it's like four hours and I need a piss. I was running around with the ferrets earlier. I made a lot of noise. And you didn't yeah, you know, up. you always do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like to play with the ferrets. You meant to interact with them, so I run around chasing them. Just give them an iPad, like everyone else. They miss the TV. They keep stopping and trying to look up at where the TV was. Put an iPad there. <laughs> Just leave the radio on so they think someone's there. <laughs> That's what you do with children. You know that. That's not what you do when you leave children at home. <laughs> Well, we've just had a baby, only six months, but what we do is we just leave the radio on so she thinks we're there. Yeah, when we go to the shops. And then she doesn't complain or chew the words because she thinks she's going to get in trouble. Anyway, your review. All right, uh, my next review is going to be the big game release. It's the first exclusive Xbox Series S and X and also PC (coughs) game, which is The Medium. The Medium. So The Medium is a game in which you play a character who is a medium, surprisingly, um, able to tra- traverse both the living and the dead world. And she needs to solve the mystery around <coughs> a big murder. Big mass murder at this resort. <sighs> it's not really a new idea. I think I said this to you earlier. It's like th- the idea of traversing both a living and dead world was done in Shadow Man. It's done in other things as well. Like other games have done it. Um, I think... Probably the most recent um, game that's done this sort of mechanic where you switch between two two periods is Titanfall 2. We have a level where you've got that button you can press. Mm. You can immediately switch between the two different time periods because you can travel between the two. Um, in this, though, the the key mechanic, the, the selling point, is that at times in the game, your screen will be split down the middle, one side being the real world, the other side being the ghost dimension. And you use hints and things from the ghost dimension to solve small mysteries in the living world and then vice versa. Them ghosts always have all the answers. Them ghosts, them ghosts, them wiggly ghosts. That'll help you learn how to do pottery. Yeah. They'll do all sorts. So the game itself, it looks all right. Um, It doesn't really look what I'd consider next gen. doesn't look like stupidly good. It doesn't look like it's anything that wouldn't run on the Xbox One or PS4. It just... You know, I think the only thing that makes it demanding... Isn't it on Xbox One? No, it's only on series and PC. Is it? Yeah. Um, One of the only things that makes me think that there's a demand behind it is that when it's rendering those two worlds, it's rendering the same image twice. Yeah. But obviously different different locations. Are you running it off an SSD or a regular hard drive? I'm running it off an SSD. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it runs fine. For the most part, it runs fine. There are just weird sections where it like it chugs a bit. Mm. And I don't know if that's something going on with the coding, because I've seen that on even on the Series X, it only runs in 30 frames per second. But they assured me that all Xbox games would, would run be in 120! 4K60, and when I tweeted about how that's not realistic thing to say, mm. I got loads of people arguing with me. Well, I mean... You know, loads of people just kept messaging me, and no one messages me on Twitter. No, except for me. And they kept going, "Oh, you, you PlayStation fanboy, it'll be 4K 60." Look, and I'm just like, it's not realistic. That's not how games happen. I'm going to be totally honest. I was really wanting to get a next gen console. You I had really, one. I got a Series S, but it broke, <laughs> which isn't a good sign. I think 
I think probably the most telling thing about the way my Series S broke is that I went to Amazon and I went into the chat thing and I was like, hi there, what's your return policy if a console's not working? Do I have to return it to the manufacturer? And they were like, oh, is, is this a Series S you're talking about? I was like, yeah, the controller won't connect and I have to hard reset to connect. And like, that's okay, we'll return it. Yeah, that's the automated. They just they saw just, you no, just No, 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 I had to go through to an advisor. They wouldn't... Because the, the advisors are AI. Are they? Yeah. Because this person made loads of spelling mistakes. Yeah, they, they probably put it in there just to... Jesus, all right. Yeah. The AI's getting good then. You but mentioned it, console, it'll go, oh, what's the last console he oh, bought? Okay. Our Series S, boom. Yeah, but it made loads of spelling mistakes, but yeah, I assumed it was a person. But um, but yeah, you like... have real people working at Amazon. With regards... Drones. Like, again, that console, when I played on the Series Jeff S... Bezos is a drone. Yeah. <laughs> He's in... Um, what was he killed in recently? There's a series where they had him dead in something. I think it might be Wix Club. Winx Club. They've got a dummy that Winx looks Jeff like. Yeah, you know that fairy program that you were talking about before? Yeah, they've got oh, a Jesus Jeff. I haven't watched Lord. it. I haven't watched it, but in one of the trailers, there was like a trailer breakdown thing that started auto playing on YouTube. And they went, hey, look, Jeff Bezos is in here. And they've made one of the corpses look like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> but anyway, sorry. It's besides the point. Besides the point. Moving back. So, the medium. Um, yeah, it's an interesting game, but it's very slow. It's very awkward when it doesn't need to be. There was one mission where... Well, not mission, but there's one puzzle in the beginning of the game where you have to find fluid for a dark room. Slow and awkward. Yeah. Just like you. Yeah. <laughs> Just like me fucking. Um, in general. But, well, yeah. Yeah. Live how you fuck, I guess. Um, but yeah, when it comes to... When it comes to the actual development, like... You're in a room and you've just got to find the shit to develop a photo. And you find all the stuff. And I found the two chemicals in a tray. And I was like, where the fuck is this third chemical? And I kept looking and there was like an X prompt in front of me and there were no others in the room. And it turns out that there is like a sink to the side that looks like it's part of a a rug that's leading up. And you can just see like, you can see basically the handle of a jug. And you went to go up to that and then suddenly an X appeared. I was like, this is not intuitive. <laughs> this is not a good system for finding stuff. Even if you hit the button that's called the insight button that's meant to show you stuff you can interact with, it didn't fucking appear. <laughs> Who designed that puzzle? Well, she the can see a judge probably from her perspective. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, it very much plays like an old school Resident Evil where you've got fixed camera angles and you just move around these areas looking for stuff and clues and hints and you sort of you interact with ghosts and you sort of help people move on the intro is really interesting because you're helping the person who saved you when you were a young kid move on he's recently died and when you see him in the world of you know the dead world you see him and he's like basically they all have these death masks on their mouths don't move or anything but they still talk so it's like a mental so they don't have to animate mouths yeah basically Uh, but (laughs) he's missing a large chunk of his head and I was wondering if... Oh, that's not good. I was wondering if that's meant to be that he was shot in the head or if that's some sort of indication that he is somehow been damaged in the afterlife. No, his head exploded. Just, no. What happens to Apparently you, Apparently he had a heart explodes. attack. Like, they're talking about him having a heart attack. Yeah, yeah when you have a heart attack, your head explodes. Head explodes. Oh, yeah. okay, I've got to keep an eye out for I've seen scanners. That's why people wear hats when they get older. Yeah. So, Keeps it all in place. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's an interesting game. It's not very good. Is the problem? I'm really forcing myself to play through it. Like it's one of looking like Sean Penn in the Fist of the North, or not Sean Penn, Chris Penn Chris in the Penn. Fist of the North yeah. Star film. R.I.P. When he has his head all held yeah, in R. place. R.I.P. Chris Penn. Yeah, he died like 20 years ago. Died 12 years ago. Really? It's yeah. longer than that. No, it's like 12 years ago. Uh, he was he always wearing a tracksuit, wasn't he? Yeah, his brother yeah. beat Madonna almost to death. Yeah. In a hotel room in America. Yeah, yeah. People should remember that about Sean Penn. Yeah. Spicoli. Fucked, fuck. fucked up, dude. Um. But yeah, I don't really recommend it. 
If someone's got a Series X or a Series S, I'm hoping they're enjoying this. Or a PC with Game Pass. I'm hoping they're enjoying this because I was looking forward to this being the first big release. And also it's Bloober Team that were the studio behind loads of other shit. Like they did, I think they did the Blair Witch game. And I didn't enjoy the first version of that, but the VR version I really enjoyed. And I was hoping that, you know, it was going to be a similar sort of thing. They're given a new type of technology and they sort of really utilize it. But instead, that mechanic where you just switch between the two different vision versions, it's just dog shit. Because it just, it, it, it just, it's, you naturally don't look, you can't look at both screens at the same time. So you're missing stuff in one if you're focusing on the other. They should develop this for the DS. Yeah, that'd be a great way of playing it. Yeah. Um, but Same no, that, graphics, just one LD. It would make more sense. It would make more sense if they designed it so that it split down the middle and then the right side there would be shit in the dead world you need to pick up and the left side there'd be stuff in the living world. And then if it wanted you to pick up stuff, it could switch those sides. But instead it's a complete image of a third person but with just a really thin, really thin margin. Or if it's the other way, because it does split, it splits vertically and horizontally. Like Lego games. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, it is just so basically like a they've done Lego, Lego multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, uh, but they don't have to render the image twice in a Lego game. They yeah. render it once, and they just put the characters in there. In no, this it year. does in the Lego games. It's the split screen automatically happens. Yeah, no, but like in the, the whole split level. screen, the fucking knocking in the split screen, it renders the renders the place once, and then the camera renders the position of the characters. Right, so you only have to load the room into one. You only have to load the room in once. With this, you have to load in. Two separate areas, and then the camera has to follow. Yeah, it's not really much different, is it not? Because I thought like that was the yeah. whole thing about VR. Is Games are only ever loading in the area that you're directly in. It's not rendering yeah, but the if whole you're in, level. If you're in two areas at the same time, they look completely different yeah, with different textures. It'll blow your mind about how walking through doors works in a lot of games. Sometimes, well, like Resident Evil, where it loads the exterior. <laughs> nah, like the Harry Potter game I worked on, there was always that stop fighting on my That's bed. Really loud. The Harry Potter game I worked on, the staircase bit in the middle, where all the stairs move. Yeah, every single door that's attached to that doesn't lead to a room that's actually attached to that staircase room. The rooms are somewhere else. Like, they're all over the place. Yeah. And when you walk towards the door, it loads that room, but it doesn't load it attached to it. It loads it somewhere else because the geometry might not match up with the staircase area. Okay. It would clash. And the moment you walk through the door, it's actually teleporting you to the other position. Yeah. Like, you're, there's, it'll basically render the inside of that room as you walk through it, and you'll pass through into this other location. Yeah, but teleporting in, the, in that sort of case would just be loading the next but in room. In theory, because it's loaded the other room, you could split screen and have one character in one room and you in the other room. Yeah, but you'd be limited as to because you would only be able to keep so much of the other room loaded in the RAM. You would no, still it'd have be to. Funny, it loads it all in because you can really? see it when you're going through the door. So does that not cause slowdown on the? No, you could when you go into debug camera, you could pull the camera out and you could see like every room appearing. Oh, fucking hell, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, the Quidditch game was like underneath the castle. <laughs> yeah, but with something like this, like I think the problem is that because you've got fixed camera and you you are just rendering the same thing twice in two mm. different environments. It just, it chugs at places. And it's places where it doesn't need to chug. I was walking around a swimming pool at one point and lightning outside was going. And I think the lightning effect was why it was chugging. Just because there was like a flash of light. You didn't even see the mm. fucking lightning. That's the ray it's tracing probably. Of, it's like... I turned ray tracing off because ray tracing was irritating me because that apparently like ray tracing is super demanding. Yeah, it is. So I just turned it off. I just wanted... And also, oddly enough, I told you about this. Like... If you have 60... It has a 60 frames per second mode on this, on PC, but it doesn't have it on the Series X or Series S, right? Mm. So I put it in 60 frames per second because everything I've played up to this point runs fine at 60 frames per second on my PC. I put this in 60 frames per second and it runs about 29 to 35 frames. And I was like, what's going on here? 
So I knocked it back down to 30, and it started running at 50 to 64 frames per second. And I was like, "What's? why is that happening? And then I went from 1080p to 1440p, and it went solid 60 and above. And I was like, so that doesn't make any sense. So I knocked the image down, so I knocked the graphic quality down to medium to see if it could run any better. And then suddenly I was back down to 30. So on high I can run at 60, at 1440p I can run it at 60, but at 1080p on high, medium or low, it runs between 32 and 45. A bad PC, that's what it is, yeah. That can't be the case. It's just a really fucking well, you're poorly. You're going to have de- to wait for the digital foundry. It's just a really poorly designed game. Like yeah. it's just obviously 1440p is Series S, right? And then 4K is 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 Series X. But this runs 4K 30 on Series X, 1440p 30 on Series S. And so on PC, if you set it to 60, it will run just above 30. But if you set it to 30, does that unlock it? I don't know. What is going on? I don't know. I've got so many questions. I'm never going to get the answers. It's just, it's not a very good game. Like, I love survival horror games. I spent the whole of the last week thinking about replaying Resident Evil. And in fact, I downloaded Resident Evil Outbreak on the my hacked PS3 that I've got now. And I was like, yes, I'm going to get back into Outbreak. And then this came out and I was like, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to get this play. And just every time I was playing, I was pushing. And I was like, oh, this is... There's a, there, I got to a boss fight where you're fighting like this demon thing and you have to run away from it and it's one of those things where you're running towards the camera but then the camera slowly tilts and you've got to take a corner. But the problem is your character doesn't run very fast, isn't designed to move like that. So it's almost like tank controls but it's more like, imagine if you've got an arrow in front of your character and you're just turning that arrow slightly so when you go forward you're propelling them but then the arrow is around the circle and you have to basically, like a rudder. Like that's kind of how you control your character in this. So you're running, and then the camera tilts round, and you sort of have to quick turn around a corner, and then the camera goes behind you, and then suddenly you have to start turning left and right and such to preempt preempt stuff that's in front of you that's fucking up. That's just it's it's all just weird, you're weird, weird choices. You're weird. I give it another David Spade. Oh, you're using people again now. Yeah, giving it a David Spade. I just I didn't get on with it. I'm really disappointed, and I'm I'm just. If it worked better, I would give it a better score. If it was less weird in terms of settings and what it's put me through, just trying to get it to run in a way that looked. You play it on your Xbox One S. What the one I returned? Yeah, yeah. I almost bought a One X the other day. I forgot to tell you about that. I almost bought a One X, and uh, <coughs> I was on eBay. Agreed to the price, four hundred pound plus ten pound for postage and packaging, and I was like, cool, right. I'm going to pay. And he's like, yeah, cool, bank transfer. And I was like, again, no, off you fuck. I'm not fucking paying for bank transfer. And no, how fucking stupid do people think I am? No one should pay bank transfer when you've agreed to a price on eBay. Just pay through fucking PayPal. You've agreed to the price. You know you're going to get charged fees, but fuck it. You've sold your thing. the ones that don't say PayPal on their thing. It said PayPal. It said pay by PayPal. And then when I did, it sent... It was like one of those things where it's like, you've sent this person an invite to start PayPal so they can accept your payment. Or you can cancel your payment here. And I was like, oh, mate, you got to accept the PayPal payment and set up a PayPal. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, cool, I'll cancel the payment then. Done. <laughs> Fucking done. Kids yeah. today. I know, tell me about it. But yeah, uh, the medium. I, I can't recommend it. Like, maybe you might enjoy it. Like, it, it's it's like a really... No, I won't. I'm not going to enjoy it. Fuck you. <laughs> Some people might enjoy it. It's like it's like a version of Resident Evil with no action and like a really weird gimmicky side thing that doesn't really need to be there. 
It'd be better if you could switch between those two planes of existence. It would make it clearer, easier to solve puzzles. Especially if you got stuff... Is there in a this. vampire lady with big mummy milkers in it? No, no, there's not. No, it's not no. Resident Evil 8, mate. No. I fucking wish I could play the demo, though. I wish I could play those big mummy <laughs> This People, like, really irritates me. People you keep going, oh, these Resident Evils, they aren't proper classic. You know, they aren't what Resident Evil is. And they're referring to the old Resident Evils on the original system. Not sweet home. And I'm like, Resident Evil hasn't been those Resident Evils for nearly 20 years. No. Like, Resident Evil is third person, or sometimes first person, action horror games. They are not those top, <laughs> those isometric... Technically, the Dino Crisis games are Resident Evil games. Yeah. Because they're all... Because you remember Gun Survivor. Mm. You've got Gun Survivor 1, 2, and then in Japan, Gun Survivor 3 was that Dino Crisis got that one. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Dino, something, I can't remember it's called. I didn't get it. It's rubbish. Right, downstairs. Dino Crisis 3 was terrible. Yeah, Dino Crisis 3 was terrible. But yeah, like Resident Evil... Do only... I have first Dino Crisis? No. Where's my games? No, I don't. No. Fucking hell, why don't I have Dino Crisis? I used I to have know. it. I had Dino Crisis at one point, mm. but I had the Dreamcast version. I had, I actually, I had it on the PlayStation as well, but I had the, I had the Blockbuster case. I had bought it pre- you stole it, obviously. Yeah, pre-rented. Um, but yeah, like... You done? Almost. Um, yeah, oh. Resident, Evil, Resident Evil hasn't been Resident Evil as, like, traditionalists believe it, like zombies, since Resident Evil Code Veronica. That was the last one. Mm. Last true. I mean, you could you could always say that Revelations are technically zombies, because they're, like, those people that are, like, aqua zombie monster things, but even then, like, it's stretch. Because it's all about a bio, uh, biological crisis, isn't it? It's like a mutation. It's a disease. Yeah, they're moaning that you're having third-person shooters and stuff oh, like that. Oh, right. And they're not... They're, then complaining that it's not like stuck camera angles. So and... the T virus was the one that reanimated dead flesh. The G virus was the one that, when put into live flesh, caused mutations based on defense measures by the body and by the by the organism. No one thinks about and stuff then, like that. It's just the monsters. You shoot then, the monsters. What That's what the, it is. What was the what was the virus in the new one? Q virus. I don't know. No, 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 no. It had B a different virus. Name. It was like the depth virus or some shit That's like that. Bollocks. It was like, fucking... but that was the one that was that basically only worked on... Well, it started like the one where Chris Redfield punches a boulder. I like that one too. Yeah, just like that bit, not the game. You've got the progenitor virus, which is the original virus, nonsense. which is found in a flower, Fucking which you nonsense. see in Resident Evil 5. Because that's where the African village that's being affected by that, that's where they originally found the virus. Um, you got Las Plagas. Las that's Plagas, nonsense. which is an organism made by the G-virus. Um, and then you got... What else you got? You got Gigantus, which Skin is some stumbling enemies, and I'll shoot them. <laughs> Tell you what, you'd love Cold Fear. So that was a classic. People didn't play that. Cold Fear was a really good game. No. Do you remember that game? Yeah, but I don't want to play it. What Cold Fear? No, I've never want to play it. Uh, all right, your Can review. You not your review, Ed. Fuck's sake! Right, don't be battlegrounds. <laughs> the wait was not worth it. It's not good. No, it's not. No, um, I saw you playing it. It's the first time I've seen you interacting with with like any sort of no. WWE property where you were like, "What am I fucking doing with my life?" I'm all for an arcadey fun WWE game, oh, or one you? for the kids. Oh, like you? Legends of WrestleMania was fun years ago. There was that um, WWE All Stars years back. That was a fun game. I liked it. Uh, and this with... game is like that, but it's Dad. like I, I imagine some kids would probably have a lot of fun with it. But it's a mobile phone game. Like, clearly a mobile phone game? You're like, it's a mobile phone game. I never went, that's not Irish. That's not even Irish. What, what the hell was that, was that accent? Jesus that Christ. Anyway, all the wrestlers have nonsensical movesets that don't match them. And I'm not talking about them being able to jump high in the air and do flips and all this 
because it's an arcade game. The moves are going to be over the top. But I'm talking about your starting character in the story mode has like three wrestling moves and two of them are types of suplex. Like, I thought wrestlers only did. And it didn't matter which wrestler you pick; they've all practically got the same sort of move sets. There's probably about thirty moves in the game that aren't finishers. Um, Are they good though? It's really basic controls. It's like you have like up and down do two different grapples and left and right do one grapple or thing on its own when you press the pat button to attack and if they're on the ground you hold the button to put them in a submission it's all mashing buttons and stuff mm-hmm. um the steel cage match mode has a sort of neat controls in that you grab the cage and climb over and other packs pull you off the cage and all this sort of stuff but for some reason in the steel cage match you're trying to grab money i don't know what that's about you're trying to grab money from the edges of the cage um the idea there's a plot to this but i paid no attention but apparently it's something to do with some Paul Heyman's got some extreme underground wrestling thing going on and you can throw people into crocodiles to be eaten or throw them into a casket and stuff. Eh, oh fine. yeah, and then they like flow around in the casket in the audience. Yeah, it's bizarre. Mm. It's meant to be all cartoony and fun. But the thing is, is that the thing that bothers me most about this is that there's shitloads of characters to unlock. You like you start off with like all the B tier characters. Like you don't even have like Brock Lesnar or Rey Mysterio unlocked at why the start. Would you, why would you want them? You want the main eventers, don't you? You like John Cena, I think, is you have to unlock. Really? Um, yeah. Like, and you can, you earn put money, you earn these credits as you play the game. Yeah. But obviously, there's a second form of currency in the <gasps> game. Of course. Isn't there? One you can buy on the internet and you can then unlock the characters however you feel like it. What? Yeah. And it'll be like, you need 1,200,000, 12,000 frigging credits to unlock this character now. And then they've got two separate skins. And of course, but you if you've paid. got the gold. You could just unlock them right away. And you paid immediately, yeah? No. No, I paid for nothing because it was free to play for the weekend. Um, but it's like the whole game's built like that. I don't, I'm don't. i not even convinced the full credit amount would get you all the characters. Um, like 40 quid's worth of credits. Is, it's a lot of gold or whatever it is in the game. But looking when I was going through the character list, the amount of money you'd need, I'd, I think you'd maybe be able to unlock all the characters, not their alternate costumes, maybe. Like, it's just really bizarre. Um, and all the characters are like packaged up in action figure boxes. Yeah. Because that's what they are. They're products. They're not They're not wrestlers. They're not competitors. They're not characters as such. They're just product. Chuck them out there. You literally get dropped into the fight in a crate. Like, it drops a crate at the entrance ramp and your character busts out of it. Because he's a fucking loot box. That's what he is. That's all they bloody are. Do you unlock everything through loot boxes? No, no. You can choose what you're going to unlock. So at least it's not randomised, but... Like you earn these month, this, these credits at a meager pace, and there's daily tasks, daily challenges, mm-hmm. and you can you can cancel one daily challenge a day <gasps> if you don't like the daily challenge. Get a, get a chance for a different one, just like mobile phone games. I'm honestly amazed it doesn't rate your matches out of three stars at the end. Like honestly, amazed it doesn't have like you know the two smaller stars and the big one in the middle. Yeah, yeah. That's how all games do it. You got to do that's it like how that. I some I I sometimes don't like that. Oh, yeah. But when I'm, it's, it's, I don't mind, it makes I'm, you feel good, doesn't it? Well, no, I don't mind it when I'm playing a mobile phone game. I I mind it if I'm playing an actual game on my TV and it yeah. does that. I hate that. They shit. had this reduced in price to like seventeen fifty during that free weekend if you wanted to buy the game. And I was like, if this was a free to play game, maybe. But yeah. Um, and the thing is, it feels like to me that when they cancelled WWE Two K Twenty One because there wasn't a mainline WWE game this year or last year. Um, they basically went, what else do we have that we can chuck out? And I reckon there was a mobile phone game with cartoony characters where the combat was all like swipe mechanics and stuff. And they were like, okay, we're going to put controllers in this, controller method in this. You're going to use a control pad now. 
and we're going to just, you know, buff out the controls a little bit to make it control like a real game and then shove it out the door. And that's what WWE Battlegrounds feels like. It feels like a mobile game that's been turned into a regular game. You just reminded me I haven't downloaded Fallout Shelter on this phone yet. No. Oh, God. Fallout Shelter, I played that for like two minutes and got bored. I uh, I have quite a good Shelter game. But, um, yeah, it's just not not a good game. And no, it I doesn't think, sound good. I think if it was a free-to-play thing, little kids might enjoy it. At least then the buying all the credits and stuff wouldn't feel quite so scummy. Um, and unlocking stuff wouldn't be so, what are you putting your phone up for? I don't give a shit. No one gives a shit about your phone. Stadia! No one cares about Stadia. Stadia! Why you got Stadia on your phone? No? I've got Stadia, and I can play these games, I think. Oh. I'm not sure how you get to the games. Enjoy the lag. Yeah! But, um... Stadia! I'm trying to review Battlegrounds. Oh, yeah, Put your phone away. Put your phone away. Okay. Because I've only got five minutes before the wrestling starts. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah? But anyway, it's a mess. Yeah, it's not a good game. No. Did you expect it to be? That's it. I think gameplay-wise, it'd be fine for little kids, like in terms of the simplicity of it. Mm. Um, you know, there's not a massive amount to it. It does keep, early on when you're playing it, it does keep pausing you to go do a combo. But you're midway through bashing the X button anyway to do a combo. Yeah. And then it brings up this thing to do a combo. And because you're mashing the wrong button, it might want you to do a kick combo with Y. Yeah. You fail that combo. Does so any, then you have to wait for buttons? that. Like X and Y is your attacks, and then grapples B, and then A does something else. Like, if you're mashing away on X to do punches, and then suddenly goes, do a kick combo, mm. press Y, but it only goes, press Y once, and then you press Y, and then it pauses the game again to go, press Y again, and then press Y, and then it brings it up again, it says, press Y to finish the combo, and I'm just like... Do you not turn off I'm tutorials? in the middle pressing buttons, you probably can, but... Ugh, yeah. It's all like, do your specials, do the moves. Mm. Like, there's all this stuff where, like, the, the crowd wants something, there'll be a little symbol in the corner, and it'll be like, you know... um. I don't know, hit a certain grapple move. Yeah. And you do that and it boosts your meter to give you more chance to win pinfalls and submissions and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's not good. The characters look ugly. They're weird cartoony looking things. Like, <coughs> they're meant to, I, I guess they're meant to look like action figures, but they look like they've got deformities. Yeah. They look like, they're, they're not like <coughs> you know when you get that weird stuff on the internet where people get inflated? They oh, look yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, you know all about that. Inflation porn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into that. But um, yeah, it's not good. Don't buy hot it. Hot stuff, hot Don't stuff. Don't buy it. If it's, if it's ever free to play... We can find it free on YouPorn, but yeah. yeah. If you ever get WWE Battlegrounds, if it turns up on Game Pass and you want something to keep the kiddie winks big, Z, and they like their wrestling, give them that, because the main wrestling games are impenetrable to little kids. Isn't this the one that was super dog shit and ran dog shit on the Switch as well somehow? No, no, that was WWE 2K 18, I think this one 19. does as well. Uh, no, no, it'll be fine on Switch. Don't I've heard it know. runs really badly on Switch. No, nah, it can't be as bad as WWE 2K 19 it or 18. It runs about the same as WWE 2K 19, apparently. It can't possibly. You'll have to have a look into it somewhere. It couldn't possibly run the same as 2K 19 because 2K 19 was basically unplayable. Yeah, yeah. Battlegrounds will be fine. It's cartoony, simple. Yeah, but you always think that and then like... They try and pour it and they get the wrong studio to do it and it's dog shit. It was released on the same time. It's just... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Looks like a mobile game. Perfect for Switch. All right, and... (sighs) Your last review. Friggin' end your misery. (laughs) I wish. I watched Psycho Gorman. Uh. PG, Psycho Gorman. It's Uh. a film that um, I've been looking forward to for a little while. Um, I think I mentioned it the end of 2019, (laughs) the beginning of 2019, uh, or 2020. Um, yeah, it's a film by Astro 9, or Astro 9, or Astro 6, I can't remember the name of the studio, but they're the guys who made Manborg. They made Manborg, they made The Void, they made Father's Day, and they made, um, one of my favourite trailers for a, for a fake film called Biocop. 
Um, and they are gore hound comedy fans that make stupid movies and have lots of jokes that <coughs> I find funny. Can you stop burping. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. And, uh, and if you're a fan of all that stuff, then Psycho Gorman won't disappoint. I think <sighs> the only problem with this one is that in casting, um, Steve Kantansky as the, I think it's Kantansky as the, uh, as the dad, I think that they've made him They've made him the same sort of character he is in every film that they make, which is like kind of like he's he's a bit boring and he's a bit lazy. And in particular in this, that's one of the long running jokes in it is that he's lazy and uh, and he's just a fuck up. And um, and yeah, yeah. All in all, I loved Psycho Gorman. It's like uh, it's like a a blood drenched um, homage to Power Rangers mixed in with every 80s film about a kid finding something that's potentially super dangerous and befriending it. I mean, you've got your Flight of the Navigators, you've got, you've got, you've got Starkid, you've got fucking Monster in My Cup. Starkid? Yeah, E.T. You know, like all those films where a kid finds something that's potentially quite dangerous and they're just like, yay, adventure! It's never just a gun, is it? No. Um, In this, it is a demon lord, the Lord of Nightmares in particular. (laughs) Who was a prisoner on a planet oppressed by an- angelic beings that were from sort of some sort of cyber religious group, and uh, and one day he dug up an ancient ancient stone that gave him unlimited power, and he used that power to start destroying everything regardless of its affiliation, <laughs> killed everything in the universe, just travelled around the universe. Until he eventually was locked on Earth in a casket with the power of the gem. Just like Rita Repulsa. Just like Rita she was, Repulsa. She was locked on the moon. Yep. Although it wasn't the moon in Zoo Ranger. In this two well, two kids, one who one who is just a regular boy, and then his hyperactive ADHD riddled nightmare sister, who is violent. Cool sociopath. Yeah, she is violent and horrifically mistreats him in a lot of a lot of different ways. Um, accidentally unleashes Psycho Gorman by by messing around with the uh, with the code on the on the front of the giant casket, and then from there he is to do her bidding because she has the rock. And in one of my favorite scenes, he tries to he tries to carry the favor of the young boy by entering his nightmares. <laughs> when the boy wakes up in a graveyard with some incredible zombie effects, <laughs> and Psycho Gorman just tells him, "Join my side." Or, uh, or you know, she'll kill you eventually, or have me kill kill you eventually. And he's like, okay, well, I'll think about it. And then for a couple of minutes, they're just standing there as these horrifically gruesome zombies are walking around because he's in a dream. He doesn't have a way of just exiting out of it, and Psycho Gorman doesn't control his dreams. So both just awkwardly, mm. he's in his bed, and Psycho Gorman's awkwardly standing there. Could have just chatted for a bit. Yeah, just chatted for a bit. Mm. Um. And in another great scene, uh, a criminal who who has seen his friends be horribly mutilated goes, I don't want to die. And Psycho Gorman uses his powers to turn him into a living corpse slash pain model and is just just left there, basically turned inside out whilst being resembling something like a human. Um and uh and one of the kids accidentally knocks it and kills him. That's a different guy. <laughs> is it? Yeah, the first guy gets his. He's just stood there frozen with his eyes rolling around constantly. Yeah, and he's yeah, in pain. yeah. It's the cop layer he turns into the weird inside out thing. And oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, no. Like, he turns the cop into the weird moldy mutant thing. Yeah. Um, he doesn't turn the criminal inside out. He's got the eyes rolling and he's like covered in that weird slime. And the kid accidentally knocks into him and then like he shatters into a million pieces and his, and his jaws head explodes. There. Yeah. 
And he's just got his droid. He's like, thank you. And then Psycho Gorman's like, no. <laughs> it's like, that was my masterpiece. You would have been there for like millennia suffering in ways that you can only imagine. Um, I also like Psycho Gorman has a great line after he eats one of his, one of his, one of the, um, one of his enemies. He eats him whole and he says to the kids, you will never forget the horrific things you've seen here today. And eventually they will drive you to madness. And they're like, let's go home. Mm. <laughs> We're all done. Let's go home. Um, yeah, Psycho Gorman. I really fucking loved it. I, I, I know you didn't like it as much as I did. Anyway, near as much as I point. did. <laughs> no, that's kind of the point of it is that it was pointless. I think the ending as well was fitting. You have to engage your viewer a little bit. Oh, yeah. like be a goal. Yeah, there was a goal. There wasn't really a goal, was there? Yeah, just have fun. It was like, oh, someone's coming and he's going to destroy yeah, it. So Is Psycho Gorman going <laughs> to learn a lesson? No. <laughs> no. Are the kids going to make up? Oh, we're going to have a bit where it's like she's apologising, but yeah, not really. But no, she doesn't apologise. No. She sings a song instead, which yeah. no one cares about. No, no that's, that's kind of the point. Everybody just stands there awkwardly while she no, sings. No, and they all smile and it's like, oh, <laughs> no, great. Yeah, but but like, that's kind of like, they're like, oh, she has unlimited power to destroy us all using Psycho Gorman, despite the fact that he looks like he's going to die. He is still this ever-present threat. It's like they're trying to do the anti-comedy thing Tim and Eric do, like all irreverent humour, but... Yeah, but in a film. Tim and Eric stuff still progresses and makes sense. Yeah, it progressed. There was an end game to it all. Eventually they went to the hospital to fix her husband's hand. Because yeah. he broke his arm by fiving Psycho Gorman. Yeah. I like one of my favorite scenes. I, I like the dinner scene where he cooks them all an awful meal of chicken in a microwave and leaves all of the mess and everything for his wife to clean up after she's been working all day. And then she goes, you cooked us a meal in the microwave. And he goes, I cooked you all a great meal. And then it just hangs on his face as a tear rolls down his cheek. I was like, yeah, great. This is fine. I liked it. But again, like I like I explained before, Father's Day doesn't really have a point. Manborg, there isn't there is like a goal at the end of Manborg, but it is very much like this world just continues to be awful after you've reached the goal. The thing um, is, it's one of these films where they're purposely trying to be a bit shit. Yeah. The thing is, like Turbo Kid wasn't shit. Turbo Kid's fantastic. Well, no, Turbo Kid's good, but, but it's a similar like trying to do low budget B movie thing. Yeah, but I think the difference is that Turbo Kid is a real film. Well yeah. Turbo Kid had a point and like had a story, yeah, fine. But I think the thing is that Turbo Kid had more money as well. Psycho Gorman had less of a budget. I don't know. Yeah. Psycho Gorman had less of a budget and you have to admit, some of the puppets and the creatures and shit they've made yeah, are fucking nice. great. It's making minimal effort while making maximum effort and I kind of love that. I really I think re- Turbo Kid had a higher budget than that. I, I think, think you're grossly did. overestimating how much money no, they made Turbo, Turbo Kid. Turbo Kid had like five mil. Australian dollars. One sec. It's an Australian film. Five million Australian dollars is like twenty pence. No, it's not. It's like twenty. It's two point five million. They like that's why their video games are like double the price of ours. Their video games are double the price because they don't have a manufacturing center nearby. It's like the whole Brazilian thing where the consoles cost so oh, much because yeah. of ele- electric. But their digital price. games are fucking cheap. Mm. Jesus. Okay, Turbo Kid had sixty k. Yeah, told you. Turbo Kid was super low budget. Wow. Yeah, that is a low. Turbo Kid's an achievement. <laughs> yeah, damn good film. One sec, I'm fine. And had Michael Ironside. Okay, Psycho Gorman only had 110k. Mm. That's still not a lot, considering how much they got out of that budget. Yeah, like I was a massive fan of the witch that they made for the when when uh, Psycho Gorman has to fight his his previous like 
were they apostles? Yeah. And the witch they've created, I was like, that's a straight-up Power Rangers villain. Like, these guys could be designing Power Rangers or Super Sentai villains. That's, like, perfect design for those things. She had the staff and everything, and he turned it against one of them, like... And she looked, she did look genuinely like one of the... I think so much of this is, like, a... It, it feels so much like an episode of something rather than the whole thing. Probably should have just been a short film on the internet. Well, that's what they did with Biocop, and Biocop was mm. so good that I wanted a full version of Biocop. Yeah. And I think that they kind of have a nod to Biocop in that cop that they melt, because mm. that's sort of what Biocop is. It's a uh, cop who gets covered in industrial toxic waste, and then he is basically constantly trying to kill himself because he's in agony all the time. It's like a meal from Robocop. No, no, he's worse than that because he's always gooey. He the kinda... meal's always good. His fingers hanging off. Yeah, but you, he sort of dried off. By the time he got hit by that car, he looked a little bit more dry. This guy is like literally. Glued. He didn't look dry after the car hit him. We'll watch Biocop. It very after... watery after this. We'll watch Biocop. But yeah, it's just like it is. It is a really decent shot, and it made me want like a film version of that. And Psycho Gorman isn't quite that. Psycho Gorman is like I said, it's like really fucked up Power Rangers. It's, it is like one of those 80s... And again, those 80s films didn't have a fucking point either. Like, they fly in the Navigator. He went on a journey and they got Flight home. Navigator and, has a point. What's the point? It's a story about a child trying to figure out where he belongs after he's lost his place exactly, in the world. Exactly, so girl's trying to figure out where Psycho Gorman belongs after his... <laughs> Flight the Navigator is a classic. I really like their friend, who for like half of the film was absolutely fine, was just interacting with Psycho Gorman and was incredibly polite to, polite to Psycho Gorman despite the fact that he was constantly saying it'd be better if you were dead and things like that to him. And then eventually the little girl convinces Psycho Gorman to help her help her seduce him. Not seduce him, but like make make it so it's more of a romantic relationship. And instead turns him into a giant brain with tentacles. And at the end you see him go to dinner with his parents the parents just don't give a fuck. The, um, the mother was the woman who was playing... Um, the evil angel lady. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. The ones in the costume. Yeah. But yeah, I liked it. I really, really liked it. I think that, I think that it's formulaic and it's stupid in a lot of places, but it's purposefully stupid. And like you said, it, it is pointless, but it's, you know, it, it doesn't ever tell you there is a point. It doesn't ever pretense that it's like going to be anything beyond the same sort of production you've seen in Manborg or, um, or Father's Day. And again, Father's Day is a better film than this on a lower budget, but Father's Day is a really fucked up premise and it they sort of push it too far into that edgy style of comedy, so it's not for everyone. Gotta be edgy. <clears throat> well, the whole point of Father's Day is that there's a rapist that rapes fathers on Father's Day. It turns out it's a demon from hell. And two guys, so a priest and a son of a father that was killed by the demon, go on the hunt for him. And then when they find him, they exercise him and realise it's not truly over until they go to hell to fight him. So they kill themselves to go to hell to fight him. And then the sister of the of the guy whose father died after being raped by Father's Day Killer, um, he's, she just materialises back into the real world. She's like, oh, guys, I'll see you on the other side. And they're like, cool, see you in a minute. And they're like, oh, when do we materialise? And it cuts back to they're rotting corpses because they shot themselves. They're just they're literally dead and stuck in hell. That's their punishment for a mortal sin. That's what they get. Yeah. Um, but that's a funnier film and that's a lot stronger as a film because I think they, they set out like it was all just set up to that one punchline where they're like, we defeated the villain and the end game is that they don't get praised. They don't get, they don't receive anything for doing it. You know, they've done their job though. Well done to them but like that's all they get is they're just stuck in hell. 
Um, but yeah, with this, it's... It's nihilist humour, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, and I like nihilist humour. But yeah, mm. Psycho Gorman, I really fucking loved it. Do you remember the nihilists had the ferrets? No. In Big Lebowski, and they chuck the oh, yeah. ferret in the bath. Oh, that poor ferret. And he's like, ah, yeah. was it a weasel? I feel like it's a ferret. It's it might have been like a stoked... Maybe. Well, it was big enough, wasn't it? It could have been... It's bigger than a weasel. Weasels are tiny. Well, stoats are weasels. I want a weasel. What, like, oh, what, like Ozzy, the little stoat that lives on that guy's desk. Yeah. Do you remember that video? Where he's yeah. trying to move the mouse and the weasel... Anyway, I give this um, I give this a Tom Atkins. I loved it. I fucking loved it. I met Tom Atkins. Yeah, I know you did. I know yeah. you did. I got that video still. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I fucking loved it. I adored it. I genuinely, genuinely loved it. And I... But... It is, it's walking a fine line. Like, there will be people that love this and there will be people that just drop off and say, oh, it's fine, whatever. What did you think of it, Anne? Like, honestly, what was your... What was I your? Mean, all the special effects stuff, they're doing their best with the money they got. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's quite cool. They're, you know, they're pushing their... This is the thing, you can make movies in your home now. You can do this stuff. You can shoot a miniature, hmm. like... You know, composite it in with live action stuff fairly easily, and yeah. you know, you, you, before you know it, you've made the amazing bulk. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's getting ridiculous. Like friggin' what's that video they put on um, Corridor Crew today about the AI friggin' rotoscoping tool? Oh yeah, with the dinosaur. That, like yeah, well, mm. I don't think the dinosaur even came into that video. <laughs> I Do not. I just saw the. I just saw the phone. Yeah, but they're on about like rotoscoping stuff with this AI tool, and it just like. It's not perfect, but it's much better than what anything else will be. Yeah. Like, I could use that. I could rotoscope that shit out and chuck it straight into um, Adobe Premiere, and I can... Yeah. yeah. So they're doing, they're doing the best with the budget and stuff. Like, you get you can do that now. You can make a big special effects movie with mm. hardly any budget. I think, like, Fun costumes and all that. I like, think what I appreciate about it mostly is that they do go physical wherever they can. Mm. Like almost I want that little bits. girl to get killed though. I hated her. Yeah, she's like, oh, I really annoyed. Really annoyed me. All she needs to do is learn a lesson. I'll yeah. be okay with her. But, but she, she really annoyed me. And then, but the barely other learns is, a lesson. The problem is that she really annoyed me. But then, by also, the time you get to the point where she's sort of saying sorry, but in yeah. her own way, tapping the thing. Like by that point, I'm convinced she's lying. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I, I see. I liked the 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 boy, the little boy. He was mm. a better character. Yeah, he because, would have been the main character. If yeah, this was that's his, kind of the any point. Other, Film, yeah. the, it's the villain got got Psycho Gorman, and like I think my favorite thing about it was that Psycho Gorman in the in the beginning he was like an abrasive character. He was saying all these horrendous things to people, mm. like and he was genuinely a threat to all these people. But she just didn't care. She didn't recognize him as a threat. Whereas everybody else was a bit like, I don't like this. Mm. This is bad. Um, but yeah. It's just, it is that physical application of special effects that you don't really get anymore. Even in low-budget films, they sort of favour CGI stuff. Yeah. Whereas in this, they... Gallons of latex and other shit went into it. Yeah. 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 But, um... But yes. I will stop forcing you to watch films eventually. There's more stuff coming out this week that you're going to have to watch I as well. I'm not watch anything ever again. make you watch a film. All I'm right. watching is Star Trek from now but on. Yeah. So I give it a Tom Atkins. I, I genuinely love it. And I think that there are a lot of people out there that will love it. I mean, I've seen bigger like bigger review people say that it's like 8 out of 10 and stuff like that. And like you can see that the um, the review that they've written, for the most part, like the people that said 8 out of 10 have said that I love this personally. It's like... <clears throat> Stop burping. But I can see how niche this is. I was when you're getting reviews for making it cool news, isn't it? No. No. But the problem is that, like, that's still going. That site is it really? Yeah. Even after he, yeah, up like a fourteen-year-old. 
Well, it wasn't that. He just kept touching up women when he was meeting them at yeah, events Yeah, no, he also, he also was chatting up kids. Was he? Yeah, online. Oh, God. Yeah. He's a dirty pedo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, it's, like I said, it's just, it's one of those things that I think that, like, bigger outlets can't say this is a 10 out of 10 because they have to make sure that they, they keep everything within. Because it's not. Well, no, not to, <laughs> it may be to them, but they also, when they write this stuff, they always it's have things to. things are bloody disgusting, rate everything really highly because, yeah. so gory. Oh. oh, there's so much gore and you're going to get a boner for the whole way through. They yeah. gave Sea Fever a 10 out of 10 and said it was one of the most disturbing movies they'd seen that year and I was like, it's basically not. Most horror movie websites are bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Just fucking terrible. Yeah, but um, but no, I, I, like I said, I think this is really good. And there's nothing that I could say is doing this nowadays that's like in a higher budget or really even independently. I don't think anything's aiming to be as big as this is or as wide a scope as this is. Yeah. yeah. Your review, Ant. Last review. Fucking what? It's your last review at this right. point. The big one. Cyber Shadow. What? It's a new game from Head Head Cannon Games. Oh yeah, Head Something Games, um, published by Yacht Club Games. You know, did Shovel Knight. Yeah, they? famous, famously make that. Um, and it's a fun retro style because that's what they do. They do retro, mm-hmm. retro style ninja game, very much like a NES style gameplay, but you know, done in the modern age. So you got retro style graphics, but widescreen, and you know, pulling off a few little tricks here and there that an old console wouldn't be able to do. Like the extra layers of parallax scrolling or, you know, massive sprites and all this sort of stuff. Um, it's really good. I'm really liking it. It's quite a challenging little game. But it's like, basically, you don't have much in the way of moveset early on. And that's the only thing that I'm finding frustrating is that early on, you can only swing your sword. And then every time you beat one of the stage bosses, you get some new ability. But it's not Mega Man style stuff where you've got an ability that's going to help you against a certain boss. They're like, they're basically like expanding your moveset. So you get shurikens or you get like a, a attack where you fire f- um, fireballs up in the air, yeah. which immediately comes in handy in stage three because there's a type of enemy in stage three where all it does is it tries to get above you. Mm. So when you move to the left, it will swoop over above you and all this sort of stuff, which is really irritating because you can't attack upwards until you get this flame sword thing. So you have to kind of sort of, you know, you can either, you can sort of guide it and then shimmy back, turn around and smack it if yeah. you're lucky. But like the flame sword thing, you can attack from below, take it out easily. Or you can hit buttons that are on ceilings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some Metroid-y elements that are coming in. Their levels will have like walls and doors and stuff that clearly need something to open them that you don't have yet. Um, and the map does show there's like a whole bunch of different paths seem to be coming off as you play. Yeah. Um, it's a really challenging game, though. I'd say, like, I think if you're going into this expecting something a similar chance to Shovel Knight, it's tougher than Shovel Knight. At least at the start, it's tougher than Shovel Knight is at the start. It sounds and looks a lot like The Messenger. Yeah, but The Messenger, who cares about The Messenger? Okay, sorry. I don't know, I never played it. Um, Did you never play The Messenger? No, it couldn't be asked. I got Cyber Shadow instead. (laughs) Yeah, a few years later. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's it's a nice fun game. It's made by one person. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's surprising. One guy made practically the whole thing. I mean, music's done by two people. One of them's the guy who did Tom Hokenfold, is it? The guy who did the music on Shovel Knight? Yeah. Um, and it's very Shovel Knighty. I think he's their like proper developer for their. He's yeah. just their musical. But dude um, for them. one guy, can't his name, Arn something. Um, I think he's Danish from the Netherlands. 
Mm. Is that the same place? Yeah. Yeah. So he's Holland. I don't know. One of these places. One of these places where they have ginger hair. Um, oh, cool, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the places that I'm from where people have ginger hair. Yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. weird nudists, a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. That's, Small that's hands, so smell of cabbage. Uh, um, <laughs> is that what the Dutch are known for? Yeah. Oh, no, it's midgets. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, he... Um, just made it all himself for over years. Been working on it for like a decade oh, almost. That's cool. Um, it reminds me a lot of that Simon Kinberg, Kinsberg guy who made Iconoclasts. Um, for a second, I thought you were talking about um, Gronberg. No. Greg Gronberg. Greg Gronberg. Yeah. <laughs> Gronberg. Um, I'm kind of interested in these games that are made by tiny teams. It always impresses me how much small group of people can make. Like, so Andrew Cactus made by three people, and one of them only was a musician. Like, so effectively made by two people. I've bought that game like four times now, and yeah. I've not played past the first or second level. You're terrible at it. <laughs> just never. The problem is that I buy it, and I'm like, I can't wait to play this, and then I'll buy something else. I bought Green Hell immediately after I bought the fucking add on for uh, Dead Cells. I was like, I can't wait to play a Dead Cells add on, and then Green Hell was like, Eight pound on the Russian eShop on sure. Nintendo Switch. Stop buying stuff. I was like, I'll buy Green Hell, I guess. No, Cyber Shadow. So far, I'm really enjoying it. I don't know how far I'm going to get through it because if this keeps getting, if this gets more difficult, I'm going to struggle. Um, it feels like the difficulty that uh, in the first few stages, the sort of difficulty you got from the final stages of Shovel Knight. But when you got to the final stage of Shovel Knight, you had more tools at your disposal. By then, mm. um, there's no jumping in and out of menus though, which is something Shovel Knight suffered from, where you, you know you'd have to switch up your tools and stuff. Although they did add the button swapping tap thing later on in that game. Yeah. So I don't think that was there at first. I'm pretty sure you always had to go into the menu originally. Um, and the boss battles are really nice. They're like prop... The boss battles are proper... You know how there's two ways of doing boss battles? One where the enemy's just a damage sponge and you just wail on the thing yeah. and stuff. And there's the ones where there's a pattern to how the boss works and all this sort of stuff. And that's the sort of boss battle you get in this. I suppose the other ties, the boss battle has a specific weak point that only exposes at certain times. They still have a pattern. They're the, the worst type. Players, yeah. yeah, I hate. I can't stand boss battles, battles like that. Mm. Um, you should always be able to hit the boss, but there has to be a pattern to how you're going to defeat him. And these bosses are very much like that. Like the first... Um, you get mid-boss, then you get the final boss. The first final stage, final end of level boss you fight, he like fires off two spinny wheel attacks, then he does a dive towards you, so you jump over him, hit the wall, and he'll bounce off the wall, and that'll stun him for a second so you can attack him. Then he jumps in the air and he fires some bullets off that follow wherever you were when he fired it. So you dodge around that, and then he starts to pattern over again. And when he gets down to low health, he does a faster version of that. And that's like classic Mega Man-style boss battle stuff. Um, This boss at the end of the second stage took me a fair few tries, especially when I beat him and he hit me at the same time and we died. And I was like, oh shit. So I had to go back in again. And I beat him again, stood there for a second, and it turns out that's not where the boss ends. He has another stage. And he just like murders me instantly. And I'm like, oh fuck, he's got another stage. Um, luckily that final stage version of him has a fairly easy pattern where you just wait for him to jump and move under him and smack him a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and then his head comes off and runs away at the end of the stage. And I don't know if you can destroy it or not. I smacked it a whole bunch as it was running away. And it went up a wall where I couldn't get to it. So I'll be interested to know if you can kill that thing and if it triggers some other event to happen. Because um, it definitely was taking damage. Unless it scurried away like the thing. Um, but no, Cyber Shadow is just properly good. I mean, there is a, a retro-style platformy action games a ten a penny nowadays. Like, roguelike games. And it's like... It feels like this is the genre indie games are all doing nowadays. They're either making roguelikes or they're doing platformy action games... And 
either or there'll be a Metroid influence. Like it's the only way they seem to go nowadays. Yeah. Um, I would like to see some indie game devs doing something, some really imaginative stuff. It does happen every now and again. Yeah. Um, you know, that, um, you get stuff that, like Wilmot's Warehouse. Well, you've got you've got even like Metrovanias are taking a bit of a weird turn. You've got um, what is it? Law Runner, Law Load Runner. No, Law Runner is. I think it's a play on Load Runner, but it's a gender queer protagonist who is um, basically revisiting her uncle's chateau or manor, um, and he is. He was dealing with the occult, so you sort of take it on into your body, but at the same time, the more you take it on, the more it escapes into the real world. So it like shifts. It's a bit like, um, it, like I said, it's a Metroidvania, but it's more like Symphony of the Night if it's well, Metroid, flipping. though. Pun? I want, just stop putting Metroids and roguelikes in the games. Oh, right. I see what you mean. That's what I mean. That's all they are nowadays. Loads of indie games are doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And Cyber Shadow is another one of them, because there is Metroidy stuff in there. It's another action game. I, when I was playing it, I was instantly thinking of a NES action game that some people may know called Shadow of the Ninja, or Blue Shadow, as it was called in the UK. Shadow of the Ninja's on which, the eShop um, now. Yeah, yeah. On the I've e- got Blue mind. Shadow. I've got the cartridge of Blue Shadow years ago. Oh. Um, I got the cartridge, and then a year later they put it on the eShop, didn't they? Mm. Um, or the Switch thing, whatever it is. But um, I was instantly reminded of that, and then I was looking up the developer and everything, and he said that was a specific game he referenced yeah. when he was making it. I'm liking that though. I like the fact that indie developers are doing that more. I'm going to be like, if you're going to do retro stuff, because they're all doing NES and Mega Drive and all that. Yeah. um, I'm looking forward to all the stuff that's sort of coming up where you're getting that sort of PS1, Sega Saturn era stuff. Like that Moon game that was an RPG on the PlayStation got released on. Yeah, that's that's an old game that's getting re released. I mean, indie developers making games that look like that era. And you're getting a few every now and again. You get stuff like Dusk and you get um, stuff like. Um, Drift Stage, which never actually came out, but someone's making a game that's very similar. Like Wait, it wasn't Drift, Drift Stage, the one you did on. Yeah, I backed it on Kickstarter, Kickstarter, but the developer apparently just sort of there was a couple of people making it, and the one who had all the source code just basically shut down, stopped talking to anyone, isn't so that, the game died. Oh, it's yeah. exactly the same as that other game now, though, isn't it? That uh, Drift Horizon or whatever it is, Horizon Chase Turbo. Yeah, yeah, similar. Horizon yeah. Chase Turbo is more like um, Daytona. Yeah, whereas Drift Stage was more, more sort like of like own. a sort of. A, tribute to Ridge Racers and stuff like that. Game over, yeah! But um, I would like to see us getting into that 3D era. Yeah, I'd like to see it. Let's get some, you know, modernised riffs on the weird, wacky games you'd get on the PS1. Let's get them polygons out! You know, let's get something that's like, I don't know, Incredible Crisis, or... Bring back Croc! Yeah, bring back Croc. (laughs) Yeah. Legend of the Gobbos! That was the third ukulele. Just yeah. like a, just, you know, the first ukulele's Banjo Kazooie, the second one's friggin' Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. Let's do the third, actually, do the third one as uh, Donkey Kong, the original Donkey Kong, but with ukulele. What, Donkey Kong in 64? No, the original Donkey Kong. Just have Animals, it single screen, right. a single screen platformer. No. Yeah. No. Bring back single screen platformers. Bring back Croc and Gex. Gex, enter the Gecko. <laughs> I'd love to enter the Gecko. <laughs> I would. That was the third Gex. It always bothers me when people keep registering, re- um, Referencing the American voice for Gex. No, it was Leslie Phillips, okay? That was our Gex. That's the one we grew up with, the Carrie. Leslie Phillips, the black dude from. No. Leslie Phillips is the old white guy who's in friggin' carry on films and stuff. Hey. He was both a cad and a bounder. Oh, yeah. And then in the third game, it was Danny John Jules, I think. Okay. Did his voice. Because Leslie Phillips is like 200. Who was the American voice? I uh, can't remember, but it's one of those comedy types. Oh, okay. He's not popular anymore. One of them. 
one of the ones is probably racist now. Yeah, probably. Racist and or homophobic. Yeah. Yeah, probably, I don't know, Jerry the Trailer Park guy, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not him because it predates him. I'd like, I need to get a copy of Gex, actually. I had Gex 3D. It was what good. you need is you need to be a real Gex fan and get the original Saturn release. No, it was originally on the 3DO. No. The first game was on the 3DO. Oh, was it? Yeah. All right, let's get a 3DO. No. How many games were released for the 3DO? There were four Gex games. No, but how many... Wait, what? Yeah. For the 3DO? No, there were four Gex games in oh, total. Oh, okay, I was about to say. There was the 2D one and three, two, three 3D ones. Yeah, the three 3D ones were PlayStation games. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. How many games? Sucker dick. End of podcast. Bye. Say goodbye. How, guess how many games were released for the 3DO first? Oh, 214. Really? That high? I'm going to say 42. That's that's mega that's 32x levels of yeah games. Uh, 3DO was quite popular in Japan. Really? Yeah. Ooh, they even have a version of it in Japan where you can flick a switch and it will change between interlace and progressive mode, which the um, Western versions didn't have. One sec. You're looking up stuff and breaking boy. Yeah, podcast. yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out. No, let's, you could let's... do the outro, couldn't you? While you're searching. I could do the yeah, outro. So. Yeah. I've been Matt. This has been Anne. You can find Anne at Mellow Gaming on um, on YouTube. You're still the most popular Mellow Gaming channel in all of YouTube. I think so. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Who knows? I Congratulations, don't bud. I don't care. Um, you can also find him Some as racist will take that spot probably. Eventually. You can also find him as LV fifty four Space Monkey on Twitter and uh, and also YouTube. You've got a new YouTube channel in which you talk about Power Rangers, but you call it Super Sentai because you're like a racist. Three years almost now. So uh, that's reacting. I just reviewed Senpai. Robot Jocks on there. It's reacting Sentai Yopper Ranger. I reviewed Robot Jocks. Yeah, because who got you a copy of Robot Jocks? I did. A lot of hard work. Right. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Critapocalypse on YouTube, Twitter. And also now on PlayStation, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm. I think. What I'm are you searching for? Still trying to find out how many 3DO games there were. Why not search how many 3DO games are there? I tried that and it didn't give me an answer. <laughs> there were a total of 200 games developed and released for the console, but you said how 214. Many you yeah, which is above. So you have to round my answer up. So I win. I was right. I'm still closer. No, yeah, you're closer, but you round up, so you went too far. So 42 beats 214. That's the Price is Right rules, bitch. <laughs> you remember when Aaron was Paul... Alfred Chicken on... Do you remember when Fugle? Aaron Paul was on <laughs> Price uh, is Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's Price is Right, bitch. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did really good on there, apparently. Anyway, you, yeah, this has been Critapocalypse episode 153. You can find uh, the next episode here in two weeks. Come give us a listen, like, comment, subscribe. What do people fucking say? What do they do on SoundCloud? I don't what know. do they do on SoundCloud? You can repost. Yeah. You can hit us up with your favourite hit. Hit like, you can comment, and then the comment gets it's- deleted by a mod, but it still sends me a message to... Yeah, and then it keeps the comment sitting there and you can't see what it says. Yeah. Do they just call us SJWs or like... Probably. Is it just loads of juice left? No, it's the... It's the- it's the freaking spam. Ones, oh, spam it? bots. Yeah. Yeah, send us your spam. You can send it to Anne at LV54 Space Monkey on Twitter. Make a spam burger. Spam, spam burger. an Oreo burger. Spam a lot. Okay, uh, but that's been the episode. Uh, bye. bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Yeah. Trump's dead. Trump's gone. We don't. Boris Johnson fucks kids, I guess. Bye. Bye. Just say goodbye. Bye. <laughs>